Hi, I'm Kyle. And I'm Trevor. And welcome to Catching Up on Cinema. If you aren't familiar with the program, Catching Up on Cinema is a film analysis podcast wherein we introduce each other to films, expand our cinematic horizons, and, in essence, catch up on our cinema. So it is the month of September 2022, uh, which means, of course, it is our Masterclass Month. Sorry. Yeah, no, the DJ horns are very much warranted because, uh, folks at home, if you're not aware, uh, Masterclass Month uh, is an annual tradition here at Catching Up on Cinema to celebrate our anniversary, essentially. So Mm -hmm. this is actually celebrating the fourth year of Catching Up on Cinema. Uh, And every year we do something called a Masterclass where we take a a deep dive uh, into a wide-spanning film franchise. Uh, And this year we're kind of taking it easy and we're just doing a slice of a large a very large film franchise Mm -hmm. we're just covering four films rather than the entirety of the franchise like we've done in years past uh because that would just be too goddamn much uh so the film franchise in question for 2022 is the x-men franchise the x-mans uh so we began with uh brian singer uh brian singer's Mm -hmm. uh x-men from the year 2000 and uh we are going to be concluding our uh first slice i guess of the x-men masterclass uh with a review of x-men origins colon wolverine from the year 2009 directed by uh one gavin hood uh this film is an odd duck in the sense that uh the title would have you believe that this is the beginning of a new like sub-series within the broader x-men franchise however uh, to date, there has yet to be another uh, X-Men Origins film. So this is kind of like the beginning and end of the X-Men Origins series. Uh, this does happen from time to time in the world of franchise films. Um, but also this serves as the beginning of the solo Wolverine series, of which there is currently, anyway, a trilogy, uh, all starring Hugh Jackman. Um, so... This is going to be the last X-Men movie we talk about this year, uh, hopefully. <laughs> but, uh, Kyle, um, do you, did you have any familiarity with this one going in, or was this a total fucking mystery to you? Uh, total mystery. I think I might have listened to another podcast talk about it, but when you listen to podcasts about movies that you haven't seen, you really don't have a frame of reference for anything, so it just kind of happens. And there might be some good jokes in there, but... I only really took away that Leave Schre- uh, Schreiber, is that his name? Yeah. Yeah. I just knew that he was in this movie and that Deadpool makes an appearance. Um, and I think it was, they may have dropped it around the time Deadpool 2 came out or Deadpool 1, I'm not real sure. Uh, but this was during the time when I had absolutely no idea what was happening in cinema. Like, absolutely no idea. It would just be a movie would come out and then somebody would tell me about it. Uh, like uh, a year after it already come out on Blu-ray or DVD, Blue, uh, D- DVD at this point. <laughs> um, so I didn't even know this existed until like maybe when I heard the episode about it. <laughs> it was like X-Men Origins Wolverine. Like what the fuck is that? No idea. Uh, so yeah, pretty much going into this blind, but I know it has a reputation for being not so great. And you know what? It, it, it It's not that great. <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah spoiler alert folks at home uh x-men origins wolverine is generally regarded i want to say as kind of like a bottom tier x-men film 
Um, I'm not quite sure at the moment how I feel about that. It has been a minute since I watched uh, X-Men Apocalypse. Uh, (laughs) I had had an extremely negative response to that when I first watched it. And to date, that's the only time I've watched it. Um, I want to say this one... Olivia Olivia Munn's in that one, isn't she? Correct. Um, I don't even know if she gets to speak in that fucking film, honestly. I kind of forget, but um, she's there... Uh, as Psylocke, who is kind of a beloved character um, from the like the early '90s of X-Men, which is you know where my personal beginnings with the comics come from, uh, and the way the character is represented on film, it's like like I, whatever your opinion of Olivia Munn's acting and her her physical performance and that might be, just the presentation of the character is just kind of like why are we why are we doing this with Psylocke? Like, we, we did we have to fuck Psylocke twice in the same <laughs> franchise? Because we, we talked about X-Men The Last Stand last week, and I, I didn't even know this until that most recent rewatch of that film. But Psylocke is in that movie, too, apparently. She does fuck all in that movie, and in Apocalypse, she may get to do some fancy fight moves or something, but they're not that fancy, and if you ask me, that movie's just pretty trash. Um... However, I'm not positive if that movie is more or less trash than this pile of shit. <laughs> um, but point is, folks at home, if you're looking for uh, compliments paid to X-Men Origins Wolverine, you're likely not going to find too many of them here. Um, so the other question I have for you, Kyle, is uh, we kind of touched on this in, in weeks past, but the character of Wolverine mm-hmm. specifically, we, we've talked about the X-Men before, but this is the first solo Wolverine film um, the first occasion to just solely fixate on this character. Um, what's your What's your background with the character, and what are your general feelings on him? Uh, big fan of the cartoon Wolverine as a kid. Uh, Wolverine, uh, Hugh Jackman as Wolverine is a lot of fun. Uh, he definitely skipped leg day getting prepared for this movie, I can tell you that much, because he is... His torso is jacked, but he looks like a Stretch Armstrong doll, like <laughs> at the bottom. Like they're just legs are just dangling down there. Um, but yeah, I, I guess most of my experience has been with Wolverine uh, now uh, as an adult. Um, and you said there's three. There's a there's another X Men movie besides Logan with Wolverine. Another Wolverine movie. Yeah, there there are three. Wolverine films, all starring Hugh Jackman. Uh, the next one in the franchise is actually from the same director as Logan, uh, James Mangold. Uh, it's simply called The Wolverine, and I feel like the titling of that movie might be partially intentional in that it it somewhat buries this film, where it's it's called The Wolverine. It, it almost feels like the title of a first film rather than a, a middle chapter to something. Um, and in fact, those two other movies, The Wolverine and Logan, again, same director, they're, they they go together pretty nicely, whereas this one, it's an island. Like, this movie barely connects with any of the other X-Men films. Uh, but yeah, there are three of them. Uh, so uh, based on that, I would, I would assume you haven't seen The Wolverine. Am I correct in that? Uh, pretty sure I haven't, no. <laughs> okay, then. Um but generally, like you like Wolverine, you was you was raised on the Wolverine through the the cartoon mostly, you'd say. Yeah, but then uh, but then Val Kilmer's uh, Batman studded boot kicked the door open, and then Batman took over. Guess my age, folks. <laughs> yeah, maybe he was a '90s kid. 
maybe just maybe um yeah uh for me personally like i feel like wolverine is just he's like a, a superhero cheat code kind of or like i have a phrase i use every once in a while it's kids love spider-man and it's just it's just science just just children people of a certain age range just gravitate to spider-man like spider-man is a friend to all children I don't know what it is about the Spider-Man, but all the, every kid on the planet, like, I'm sure if you held up Spider-Man to them, they'd be like, oh, he's fucking cool. I like that guy. And to some extent, I want to say the same is true for maybe Batman and maybe Wolverine. Because um, Wolverine has just some sort of gravitas or magnetism to him that just, if you put him in things, people are more prone to go check them out. Kyle is raising his hand like a good schoolboy. So now, now that you mentioned that, I think I have a theory uh, on why we were Wolverine fans. Um, Wolverine was yoked. Like, he was jacked. Very, very disproportionate. I remember his action figures were just, just massive. And we also grew up on Arnold and Sylvester Stallone. Those were the action heroes for us with those big buff dudes. And I think Wolverine was just an easy transition from action star to cartoon like he had the same build so we're just like yeah that guy that guy's awesome that might have just been me but maybe that's maybe that's why we like wolverine so much i think that's a piece of the puzzle and i'll actually take that ball and run with it because the the major thing <laughs> sorry spit take kyle just did a spit take live on the air sorry about that i love the way you, i'm sorry you did seamlessly just roll right in through it <laughs> That was a great dovetail, and I ruined it. I'm so sorry. I just wasn't <laughs> expecting you to just roll with it like that. Please continue. <laughs> so, in Wolverine's case, I think the the major thing with him uh, is uh, he is an anti-hero. Um, and there's, there's kind of a distinct moment in, in American history, at least. I can't speak for the rest of the world, but like in American pop culture and history where anti-heroes were starting to kind of take the spotlight a little bit uh, around the time of like Dirty Harry and Death Wish in particular those movies where like vigilante types were kind of becoming glamorized to some extent and as far as I recall Wolverine was a product of the early 70s his first appearance in the comics was in a Incredible Hulk comic as just a monster of the week type character um but he would join the X-Men in like the mid 70s or something and that was his reputation was that he was kind of a nasty figure that would be willing to go to the dark places that the rest of the traditional hero types that made up the X-Men were not willing to go um, and in Wolverine's case that's always kind of been the case he's been more like a, a Punisher than a, a Captain America I guess where he, he is willing to kill he is willing to get down and dirty um, and that, that sort of morally gray area that he occupies by the time you get into like the early nineties and stuff, that, that shit was out of control popular. Um, spawn. And I feel like yeah. that, yeah, spawn, S fucking spawn. Um, yeah, that, I want to say in, in like when I was being exposed to these characters in the, like the Jim Lee and, and, uh, Chris Claremont era of the, of the X-Men, like around the time of the Fox kids cartoon, that part of Wolverine held a, a weird kind of like anarchic, like MTV generation type appeal to it. Um, but the other end of it too, is that like, you also have that running parallel to like Kyle was saying, like the, the action heroes of the day. Um, and in fact, the, the script for this movie, which 
doesn't bear much resemblance to to most of the comic book source material or the cartoons for that matter um felt a lot like a steven seagal movie to me <laughs> or like or like a rambo movie to some extent like in particular this reminded me of uh steven seagal's first movie uh, above the law which is a you know the foundation for that script is it's a, a tale as old as time it's the it's the vietnam war unit that i gets into some dirty shit in the jungle and brings it back to the states with them mm, yeah and that's yep, yep. that is the beginning of this movie that is the plot of this movie in a lot of ways um but wolverine does carry a similar appeal to like kyle was saying like the schwarzenegger movies of of the day like commando and rambo 2 and 3 and any number of steven seagal movies <laughs> just you know macho hero type movies and stuff um, so yeah, I, I I get the appeal. I certainly bought into it, like my most young boys uh, of my generation. Uh, so Wolverine is, you know, always got to be kind of like a, a beloved figure. He's absurdly complex if you get into his comic book history, but we're not here to do that because I was telling Kyle before we uh, before we got on the air that uh, I'm not going to pretend to know everything there is to know about Wolverine because his his history is fucked. Like it. I don't even want it. I haven't opened his Wikipedia article, but I don't want to know how many goddamn pages that is. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure it's nuts because basically, if there is a Marvel Comics character um, that was alive and active, like from the 1940s backwards, Wolverine probably had some critical component to do with their their history or some shit. Like he he's either banged them or killed them or fought alongside them, whoever they may be. <laughs> um, yeah wolverine's cool and uh we're all very fortunate to have had hugh jackman to play him because i when it comes to like big shoes to fill uh in the world of superhero characters like kyle am i wrong in in saying that like this one might be one of the hardest to fill wolverine well like in the absence of hugh jackman like oh because disney disney now owns the rights to the x-men they will be giving us wolverine again it's it's just a matter of time but like finding the right person to take hugh jackman's place um it's going to be quite the manhunt because uh, like from my perspective that seems like a really tall task yeah i think uh i think the issue you're going to run into is i think as as much as I do like Hugh Jackman as Wolverine, uh, it's Hugh Jackman's quieter moments of Wolverine that I don't care for as much. It's when he's on. It's when he's gone. When he's going, he brings an intense. When he has to go intense, he brings intensity, and I don't think you're going to be able to find somebody who's going to be able to turn it on like that. His quieter moments when he's just talking and oh, I don't really want to do all that. You could find somebody for that, no problem. But yeah. Who are you gonna find that's more vascular than Hugh Jackman in these scenes? I mean, Christ Almighty! I know. Yeah, I remember during the uh, the hype train for this movie specifically, uh, there were accusations of CGI assistance for his vas- vascularity. Neither that's like, no, me, motherfucker. He just he just it's <laughs> <laughs> all me, mate. That's all HJ. That's all me. <laughs> Beta carotene. Beta carotene. <laughs> I'm feel no, you uh, he, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, you're. I think you're right. Where like I actually have in my notes for this movie, like I don't know how many instances of just <laughs> because those are the good parts when yeah. when he's wolf, wolf when he's going into a berserker rage. 
uh, which shows that Hugh Jackman read at least one comic, that that is a critical component of embodying the Wolverine. Um, but yeah, when it comes to just being like handsome and charming on camera, there are tons of other Mouseketeers that can do that. Um, but to, to do both is difficult. Um, one thing that I've said in previous episodes is that I'm curious if they'll if they'll go the like the comic book accurate route when it comes to casting because i have mentioned this on previous x-men reviews the character of wolverine is supposed to be like sub five foot five um he's supposed to be short and wide like he is one of the shortest x-men i think he and jubilee are like eye to eye if not her being like taller than him um, so I'm curious if, if, if the House of Mouse would be willing to take that chance and, and cast a, as the kids like to call them, short king <laughs> as Wolverine. No, uh, he's going to be six foot two, cut, jacked. It's, it's gotta, he's got to be at least six two moving forward. That's just, that's the new standard. They'll, they'll get the, the Jack Reacher guy or whatever. <laughs> oh, yeah. Alan Rick, Alan can't think of his name I, know, I i don't know his name <laughs> i've never seen I, it. I knew him as thad on blue mountain state uh he's very very funny uh but my, my i was actually watching it so we were like had a lull between movies we were gonna watch and we're like trying to figure out the next thing I'm like i'm gonna throw on blue mountain state because i've been wanting to rewatch it and st- my wife is just like he is so good looking i'm like yeah i know and i'm like why has he not been more popular because he is crazy good looking and he is very funny but when I saw he was doing the Jack Reacher show, I'm like, good for him. Good for him. I'm glad that he's doing stuff. He's he's very talented. Yeah, genetics, man. Some people got him. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, no. We were both just like, he is so crazy good looking. Like, it. I don't know if he would have done it well, but he's like Thor caliber good looking. Like, that's where he could have gone. I don't know if he's a good enough actor to be Thor, but who knows. Yeah, who knows? He's got a career ahead of him, though, because I have heard that that show is is doing quite well, and I think the second season is on its way. I keep Um, seeing previews for it, so it must be doing well. (laughs) Uh, Okay, so X-Men Origins Wolverine. Uh, As I said, this is directed by Gavin Hood, who um, I did a little bit of research into this fellow. Oh, did you? (laughs) (laughs) He's from South Africa. Um, So he is a South African filmmaker, and he is mostly known for... I think it won Best Foreign Language Film at the time of its release. Uh, Totsi. It's a DVD that I've seen at many a used bookstore, but I've never never picked up. Um, But as I said, it won, I believe, for Best Picture, or Best Foreign Language Picture um, in the year of its release. Um, And one thing that I've noticed in his filmography, which, by the way, is not especially dense, um, is that the subject of PTSD... Um, and the Iraq War in particular uh, seemed to be a subject of interest to Gavin Hood. Um, he has more than one film about that subject matter, and also Ender's Game, um, which covers you know sci-fi war material, but also explores uh, some of the psychological and emotional ramifications that come with participating in said activities. But um, like I said, the, the main thing I'm driving at here is PTSD seemed to be something he was wanting to explore in this film and through my research it did seem to be the case that that was a personal agenda of his Um, however the studio um, did not see eye to eye with him on that and uh, in listening to the commentary for this film uh, I get the sense that he 
he almost got um david finchard a little bit on this production um which is fitting uh being as this is also a fox film uh folks at home if you don't know what i'm referring to kyle is nodding his head he knows where i'm going with this um david fincher uh his first feature film as far as i recall was alien 3 um however to this day i believe he he dissociates himself from that film like i don't even think he chooses to put his name on it anymore if it was up to him um, because he asserts that 20th century fox essentially just yanked his movie away from him and just made it into whatever they wanted um and i don't know if it was that dramatic in the case of this film um but gavin hood is not especially he doesn't have a whole lot to say about his own fucking film um and at one point apparently uh he was nearly like i don't know if he was ousted from the production or he was threatening to walk from the production because there were other directors ready to take the helm should he should he be removed from the project. Um, so what we what we ended up with doesn't strongly appear to be like a, a fractured or mismanaged production. Um, however, there are signs pointing to Gavin Hood not having an especially good time working on this film. Um, in terms of other production notes, uh, right out the gate, I will mention that uh, David Benioff is listed as one of the writers. Uh, I only toss that out there because uh, Kyle is a Game of Thrones fan, or at least he was. I'm not sure if that still is the case. Uh, Kyle just shook his head. I was just I was just talking to Steph about this. I'm like, I had no desire to go back and watch that show. I watched it one time. It was fun while it happened, but I got to the other side, and I'm like, I could care less about that show now that it's done it might be the bad taste in my mouth from the the famous we it's famous that the last two seasons of that show were dog shit it may have been that because that is true they are not very good there's moments there's definitely some moments in there mostly aria but uh get you you, you fucking triggered me dude uh yeah <laughs> so yeah <laughs> i'm sorry <laughs> one of the davids one of the davids did this but yeah i was just telling my wife i'm like i have no desire to go back and watch that but apparently the new game of thrones show is really pissing people off in a good way so that that that's good news that cuz game of thrones was an infuriating show as a viewer it it really gets under your skin there's a character trevor that died on, on that show, and I hadn't watched it. It comes out on Sundays, and I hadn't watched it. I waited till it came on, and I could watch it on Monday morning. And I saw a gif of somebody had done, like, uh, Al Bundy being super excited. It's like me watching Game of Thrones. I'm like, oh, no. And I remember going back and watching the episode, and I was, I was smiling going to the bus stop after I got done watching it. That's how good that show was in its prime. And then you don't get any of that in the last two seasons. Uh, so yeah, David Benioff. That yeah, fucking emphasis guy. on em- emphasis on was. Yes. Uh, so Kyle was a fan of Game of Thrones. Um, I just wanted to mention that because I apparently wanted to harm Kyle. Uh, <laughs> yes, D- D- David Benioff is infamously known as being like I think he was one of the showrunners on Game of Thrones, um, and I think it was Benioff and Weiss, the pair of them, the duo. Um, they both lost the, the Star Wars gig, um, apparently through, through the failure of that last season of Game of Thrones, which probably was very, very successful in terms of ratings, but in terms of critical appraise, no. 
Um, so they, they almost had the keys to the Magic Kingdom, uh, and they lost the gig. Uh, so best of luck in your future endeavors. I'm sure they'll be fine. But the other writer is Skip Woods, who I'm not sure is doing fine, because I, I'm looking at their filmography, wow. Um, the, if, if you wanted an indication as to the quality of the film X-Men Origins Wolverine, like going in, like all you'd have to do is pull up this man's Ooh. filmography. Oh, dude! I yeah, can't even. Kyle, would you would you care to take us on a, 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 a magic Bro. carpet ride through the filmography of Skip Woods? Dude, you just have to look at this poor guy's top four, and that's that's a red flag when you see his top four written by Sabotage, which I know by reputation, Swordfish, which I have seen, uh, and is a fun movie. It was a fun movie. It's not good. But Hugh Jackman drinking wine and quote-unquote hacking in that movie? Fantastic acting. Great stuff. Seven monitors, Kyle. Seven <clears throat> monitors and how many fucking Monster Energy drinks? That's how hacking is done. Dude, he gets two bottles of wine down. He's snapping his fingers, clapping, leaning back with his head on his <laughs> hand on his head. Like, oh, it's great, great Frosted acting. highlights. Uh, and then uh, A Good Day to Die Hard. Oh, Hitman. He was a writer for Hitman, too. Oof. And the sequel, Hitman, Agent 47. And the A-Team. Man. Yeah, he's not doing yeah. good. No. Yeah. yeah, he wrote dialogue for Quentin Rampage Jackson. That's how you know you're a talented man in Hollywood. Eesh. Yeah, Skip Woods definitely occupies a specific lane in the world of, of, of writing in Hollywood. Um, and it does, it's not quality. It's not snappy, as, as the kids would say. But... Um, yeah, I will point out that I, I think Gavin Hood might have some martial arts experience because he does have some acting credits. He's He is in the only kickboxer film that I have not seen. Uh, that would be the Mark DeCosco's headlined Kickboxer 5. Um, to date, the only kickboxer film I haven't seen. <laughs> but, I can't believe anyway, you just admitted uh, that on the air. Wow. Uh, <laughs> I know. I, I take away my uh, martial arts cinema fan card. Uh so, uh, in terms of characters, um, we have an odd mix, uh, and this actually points to one of the funky elements of this movie, uh, in that it doesn't play into the other films in the, at the time, currently existing X-Men film franchise. It feels divorced from them, in fact, because we have multiple characters represented in this film who differ radically from their previous representations. Um, so, first one out the gate is, of course... Uh, leave Schreiber as Sabretooth, or Victor Creed as he's okay. His film. I thought that was fucking Sabretooth, but his name was Victor, and I'm like, well, that's not him. Uh, okay, so I was right. All right. Yeah, no, you were correct in that. And Tyler Maine uh, played the same character, at least mm -hmm. in name only, I guess, because they're most certainly not the same person, and they don't relate to each other in the same way in this film. So there is absolutely no way you could swing these movies being connected because. If they were, in fact, the same person just looking different, Tyler Maine's version of Sabretooth would have known Wolverine uh, in their many encounters in that first X-Men film. However, he never makes any sort of indication to that. But uh, Leif Schreiber, Kyle, do you have any thoughts on the man? Um, yes. Uh, I think that he should explicitly play uh, bad guys. I think that he is a I had a cue ready for him, uh, but I, I, I jumped the gun, but hang on. You ain't a bad heel, son. Uh, yeah, he ain't a bad heel. Um, I don't 
particularly care for him in this movie. I don't necessarily think it's his fault. Um, I think he's doing the best he can with what he's got. Um, I haven't really seen him in too much else. Um, but yeah, he's um, nobody is nobody is good in this movie. Like no, even Hugh Jackman is not great in this movie. Um, and it's none of their fault. It's it's none of their fault. Let's put it at that. Actually, I, I largely blame the the script and the studio. Gavin Hood seems to be a decent director. Um, like, what's being asked of people seems to be okay. But there there are some like there's some wonkiness going on with the presentation of this film that I don't quite understand. But um, for me personally, I really I've always really liked Leif Schreiber. I he was one of those people that the, from the first time I saw him, I kind of just decided that he worked for me. Um, and actually, I, I know exactly the first movie I saw him in. And Scream. That was a... No, actually. I think it was... I think I saw Sphere before I saw Sphere. Oh, yeah. He's in Sphere. And and he's he's funny in that. He's affable in Sphere. And he's playing a, a, a bookish type in that movie. Um, but yeah, uh, he plays Cotton in uh, the Scream films. And he stands out in there. Um, but I've always really liked the guy. Um, and uh, oh, by the way, he, he did play uh, Orson Welles, by the way, in a, I think it was an HBO film. Oh. Um, it's uh, RKO something, 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 something. It's, it's like the uh, studio code name for, for the production. Um, if you, but, think, if you like Lee Schreiber and you think he's funny, the movie's terrible. It's not a good <laughs> movie. But him in movie 43, he is fucking hilarious. Uh, and that that's that movie with like Liam Neeson, Halle Berry. It's like they got all these celebrities to do this really stupid movie. I don't know how they pulled it off. It's a really bad movie, but he's very funny. Just look up his little bits in that movie, and I think you'll have a good time. Oh, yeah. Goon! Um, I, I want to say Goon. Goon. Yes, he was excellent in Goon. He there was. We he go. was. He plays the quote antagonist in Goon, um, and he good. was excellent. Uh, he gets to be very Canadian in that, but. Um, I love Goon. Uh, it, sequel I do too. is is fine. Uh, sequel is fine. It's not of the same standard, but I I love Goon. Like I I recommend Goon to too many people, and they never take me seriously, but they really ought to because I really, really do good. love that movie. Yeah, I really love Goon. But um, funny you mentioned movie forty three because my suspicion about that movie is that it was some sort of tax shelter film or something <laughs> <laughs> because of. The, you know like like what Kyle was talking about the the sheer number of celebrity talents that they got for that film um, but uh, speaking of movie 43 uh, connections revolutions um, so we had skip woods the writer of swordfish also a Hugh Jackman film also a Halle Berry film for that matter the two of them would go on to be in the x-men films uh, for many years to come uh, but then on top of that uh, movie 43 also features Hugh Jackman uh, Halle Berry and Leif Schreiber. Apparently, I didn't even know he was in there. But he's in um, Kate and Leopold with Hugh Jackman as well. That's where I'm going with it. Uh, that's, that's as far as I understand how Hugh Jackman and Leif Schreiber came to become uh, off-screen buddies. Um, and I really like that movie. Actually, I think it's charming. Um, but yeah, apparently they became fast friends on the set of that film, and uh, Hugh Jackman kind of lobbied to have Leif Schreiber uh, come work on this film because he felt that they they would jive well together and they both have a, a kind of a jesse ventura and arnold schwarzenegger kind of thing going in the gym apparently they're very competitive with each other uh which was very important for the way the two characters are represented in this film um 
However, I will say that uh, the representation of Sabretooth in this film is all sorts of fucked. <laughs> like, I like Lee Schreiber's performance just fine. I feel like he's doing the role that he was hired to do. Um, but from a writing standpoint, it's like, whoa. Like like, like I said, it doesn't jive with the movies we've had previous in that this doesn't match Tyler Maine from X-Men, uh, the first X-Men film, that is. But on top of that, in pivoting away from that, it doesn't, it doesn't bring him any closer to the comic book source material. Uh, the two of the, there was always a rumor, like this was a like a playground rumor when I was a kid that Sabretooth was Wolverine's dad, um, and apparently there was, at one point that was something that Marvel was toying around with, but it has since been proven to be false. They are not blood relations, like they're just <laughs> rivals. They just hate each other. No, sure, we are not in relation. Um, I think I seem to remember hearing that same thing that Sabretooth was Wolverine's dad. Now that you mention it, yeah, it, it was a playground rumor. It was just one of those things that like children around the world probably were whispering to each other if they cared at all about comic book shit. Um, but yeah, I, I I knew about that when I was a little kid. But no, that is not true. Sabretooth and Wolverine have a very long history that dates back to you know eighteen hundreds or some shit. And uh, the one thing that was always persistent in the comics was that Wolf, uh, Sabretooth traditionally would kind of beat Wolverine's ass, uh, which is represented in this film. Um, and also he'd, like, fuck with him on his birthday, like, annually. He'd just, like, show up to fuck him up and leave. <laughs> like a bully, or a big brother in this movie, anyway. Uh, but yeah, they are they're brothers in this film. Half-brothers, I believe. Um, which is never been replicated in, in any other media as far as i know nor has leaf schreiber ever returned to the x-men franchise so i like him in this movie just fine um but in my in my eyes this this just simply isn't Sabretooth, uh, which is unfortunate because Sabretooth's not a terribly complex character in a lot of ways but he's a lot of fun um and uh kyle had actually texted me about danny houston uh while he was watching this movie he had a he had some uh negative comments about Danny Houston's performance in this film. I've heard other podcasters bash Danny Houston before and my only frame of reference for him is 30 Days of Night. I'm like, wait, 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 people. Let's just just take it easy on Danny Houston because he's really, he's great in 30 Days of Night. It's it's an awesome movie. But then I would watch this I'm like, oh, I get it now. He is awful. He's absolutely terrible. Plus, the last striker we had was Brian Cox. That's who he was in X2, who is, by and far, a much better actor, especially playing this role. Yeah, Danny Houston is bad. The decisions made after we put the adamantium bones on Wolverine, I'm like, what? I don't even understand. How is that your, your delivery? Yeah, he's not great. Yeah, I, I don't have much to say about his performance as Stryker. Again, we've already talked about Stryker in, in X-Men reviews past, but he is supposed to be playing the same man as Brian Cox. Um, it did not decide to continue the southern accent that Brian Cox took for a fucking walk in that movie uh, to great effect. Brian Cox is fantastic in that movie. Um, Danny Houston, not so much in this one. Um But in terms of uh, other major elements of the cast, there aren't really many others to highlight um i will point out uh, kyle had asked me about gambit uh, last week i will point out the guest he is present in this film as played by taylor kitsch who i never have anything good to say about um i don't know if that's 
if that's me stepping out of line, but I've, I've just <laughs> never been impressed with anything the man's ever done, and he shows up in some raggedy fucking places. I'm looking at you, Battleship and American Assassin. <laughs> uh, I think he is also in Savages, if I'm not mistaken. I haven't heard a lick of good about that movie. <laughs> oh, we're, we're, we're going to cover that. That's up there with, like, uh, Alpha Dog as far as just, like, wow, this is not good, but I it's pretty stupid. It's... Yeah, he well, is. My in, interest is peaked. <laughs> he is in Savages. Yeah. Ugh. Oof. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Gambit is here. I, I would be remiss if I did not point out that Gambit is part of the cast. He's in like three scenes, though, so we'll talk about when we get to those parts of the movie. But mm-hmm. um, the other one, the big one, though, uh, is that uh, Deadpool is the first the first cinematic representation of Deadpool or Wade Wilson or however you want to phrase it uh, is featured in this film and it's kind of infamous uh, because of that um, Kyle you, you had mentioned that you knew about that going into this one um, what were your thoughts about how like what we got um, I was actually very impressed that Ryan Reynolds is barely in the movie and more importantly <laughs> barely talking uh, because he, I mean, I like Ryan Reynolds. He's funny. He's charismatic, but he basically just does the same thing every time. It's like Danny McBride. I think Danny McBride is very funny. He's very talented, but Danny McBride has been doing Kenny fucking powers in every movie since he's fucking started basically. Uh, but it works. But yeah, with Ryan Reynolds, it's just like, I'm, I'm not in the mood. It's just one of those movies like this isn't the tone. This isn't the Ryan Reynolds tone. So just keep keep a lid on it which they literally do he doesn't actually talk that much in this movie yeah it's funny that you know the character whose nickname is the merc with the mouth uh is deprived of a mouth uh, for the closing portions of the film but even before that in the couple of scenes that he's in in the in the early portions of it uh he actually doesn't have he doesn't talk that much like he's he's not the fucking micro machines guy um but yeah uh, ryan reynolds like just based on bone structure alone I, I would imagine was always fingered to be in superhero cinema um i mean he was in fucking green lantern but that movie tanked seriously bad movie destroyed a lot of careers kyle um, but um this i guess was just kind of a detour I, it, it's a few minutes of screen time um and the reason why it's infamous though is that it's so just it just shits all over the the comic book legacy of the character and just like the general idea of deadpool this this is this is very much a deadpool in name only he doesn't do many of the things that deadpool is known to do he doesn't really look like deadpool although they kind of cheat it a little bit but by the time we get to it um so yeah uh, deadpool is thoroughly wasted in this film makes for like a a fun boss fight but it's like did you have to call him that like really did we have to shit on something to get something good um anyway uh kyle would you care to get into the movie proper uh yeah um so the plot you actually did a much better job of uh of like saying what it is it's like we the mercenaries did some bad shit now the one mercenary is coming back to get to get Wolverine, basically. But there's a twist to that. Uh, we get, again, this is X-Men Origins, so we kind of get Wolverine's origin story. It ends with a whimper, and I had more questions than anything else. Uh, so I would like to get to those eventually. 
Um, but do you want to start off uh, telling the folks how this starts? Because as soon as it starts, I was just like, oh, God. What? <laughs> what? It starts off so silly. Okay. So, yeah, this movie actually begins uh, with a like a slide, like a title card telling us Canada, 1845. So it's like, oh, they took us back to the past. Um, and we begin in a bedroom where there's a sick child uh, who's being watched over by a slightly older child. This is going to be revealed to be uh, a young Wolverine uh, and his older half-brother, uh, Sabretooth, or Victor. Um, and yeah, this kid is shivering in his bed, and uh, his dad comes in to take a look at him. And from what I could tell, Victor, the older kid in the room, is actually like clipping his fingernails to try to like hide his his muta- his mutation essentially because he's turning into Sabretooth because he's of that age um, and it's no surprise that the sick kid is in the middle of his mutation as well uh, they generally manifest um, in the comics anyway or and in the movies um, under like emotional duress and in adolescence um, so yeah uh, there's an incident uh, and uh, Victor's father shows up he's like pounding on the door and uh, Jimmy, uh, Logan's dad, uh, leaves the room. And uh, very shortly thereafter, we hear a gunshot. And then uh, our, our sick kid runs out there onto the balcony to, to like, witness his, de- his dad dying, laying, like, on his back on the, like, in the foyer, essentially. Um, and then uh, we get our first, but from a child. Uh, he the, the kid does the thing where you look up to the heavens and go, no except he just goes <laughs> um mind you this is like three minutes into the fucking movie uh and then the kid sprouts claws the iconic knuckle knuckled claws the three the three blades on either hand uh a signature of wolverine and uh he runs up and he just stabs the dude who shot his dad um and as he has his knuckles embedded in this dude the dude says he wasn't your father I was. And the kid's like, oh shit, I just lost both my dads at the same time. High drama, right out the gate. Um, and then I think his mom calls him a dirty name or something. She <laughs> she's, she's like, what are you? <laughs> like, what's your deal? You got long fingernails. Uh, and then they dirty little sideburn shit. Get the fuck out of my house. Yeah. Oh yeah, a lot, a lot of ugly sideburns. Uh, Sabretooth sideburns in this movie are irritating. Like it, it, it is obnoxious to look at. But everybody in this scene, mom included, uh, has some nasty sideburns. But uh, the two boys, they they take off running into the wilderness, and they kind of like make a pact with each other. Um, where Victor, the older boy, Sabretooth, he he like grabs him, and he's like, "You you have to be hard now, Jimmy. <laughs> hard, so nothing can ever touch us." Um, And then we get a pretty sweet credits montage. You didn't hear that, did you? No, I didn't. Oh, Trevor. I'm sorry. Is the soundboard... Hang on, I gotta see something. Did you hear this? Wolverine! Snickety, snickety, snowing! I I heard that. Okay. That was Jason Mewes. Well, let me try that again. So we get the opening song. Nothing? You didn't hear that at all? No. It's the opening it's the opening part of We Didn't Start the Fire, God damn it, by Billy Joel. 
Oh, I'm so I'm okay. so destroyed. I'll, I'll, I'll try my best to edit that so it's funny. Uh, <laughs> because all I could think of was Civil War, World War One, World War Two, Korea, maybe Vietnam. <laughs> because I'm just going through all these different battles. <laughs> what else do I have to say? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Great song, by the way. Um, yeah, that is kind of what this is. This is every war ever, essentially. Um, and, and in execution, in, in concept, this is pretty cool. Like, no matter how you slice it. Uh, because we get to see the two half-brothers uh, engaged in the Civil War, of course wearing blue coats, because this is a major Hollywood film. Um, they, we see them in World War I, um, and we see them <laughs> do something that my friend and I still yell at each other when playing uh, online video games and whatnot no back to back <laughs> it's like it's it's terrible it's terrible to hear people actually say that like it's a good concept but when you actually hear it verbalized i don't care if you're hugh jackman you sound a little silly um but yeah we get a back to back should be asked <laughs> um, to ass yeah ass to ass <laughs> uh creamery butter uh, yeah, so they just make it all the way through. I don't know if Korea's in there, but it's either Korea or Vietnam. No, actually, no, there is no Korea. I Which, think we go directly from World War Two to Vietnam. It is one of those wars that we just kind of skip in America. We're just like, ah, we don't really care about that one too much. Um, it really, really shouldn't. Like, it, it was a big deal. Yeah. It was a real big deal. Um, I, yeah, I didn't learn about the Korean War until way too, uh, to an age where I'm just like, I shouldn't probably tell people that I just learned about this. <laughs> yeah, so Vietnam. So we do go to Vietnam. Um, but you can see throughout this this credit sequence that um, Sabretooth is having a bit more trouble turning it off, as it were. Uh, Logan is pretty, you know, just like, we got a job to do. Which, you guys don't have to do that. You don't have a job to do. You just decided to do this job. Um, but Sabretooth is really enjoying his work. I mean, just do the fucking Highlander thing. Just, like, inherit your own wealth from generation to generation. Yeah, dude. <laughs> just keep just keep changing your identity, killing previous identities, and handing off the funds to the next identity, you assume. Um, no, they just decide we need, to, we need to constantly be in every war possible. Um, and they do get fucked up in every war, uh, because Sabretooth like comic accurate has the same healing factor as wolverine essentially uh, so the two of them are basically unkillable and they don't age either so they're just the forever men that are apparently in every american major conflict um but yeah kyle's absolutely right we do get lots of lots of insert shots of hugh jackman looking at dead bodies and stuff and looking horrified um and then the equivalent shots of Victor looking, you know, like he's having the time of his fucking life. And of course, as is tradition, when they get to Vietnam, that's where things get out of hand. And, uh, the, there's a little bit of like a schism in their relationship with each other. Um, but yeah, also this points to what I was talking about with Gavin hood. And like, if you look at his filmography, if you even glance at it, like PTSD seems to be something he's very interested in talking about and exploring, and that seems to be maybe there was an earlier draft or an earlier vision of this film that had a lot more to say about that in particular because there's a lot of Sabretooth's characterization in this that seems to be pointing to you know the dangers of that and the consequences of that 
Um, but as it stands, the, the movie itself is like it, it's all surface detail. It's not terribly important. But yeah, um, basically, we get a really really cheesy shot here where it's like the cameras rotating around them, and they're both in like they're they both go back to back. Um, but they go into like beast mode, and they're both it's both like hunched over with their their arms outstretched and going. Rawr! <laughs> But it's almost like a freeze frame of, of like the camera circling around them. And again, I don't care if you're Leif Schreiber or Hugh Jackman. You hold that pose for too long, you look like a little bit of an asshole. <laughs> so yeah. it's not as cool as maybe they thought it was on paper or something. Um, um, yeah, they get captured by their own troops and then uh, they're going to the firing squad. And like, well, they're in for a, a fun surprise. Um, I think Saber 2 says, like, wake me up when it's over or something like that. Um, but then I feel like we like jump into a time machine or these dudes have just been sitting there for a while because this was sixties or seventies, uh, whenever they're captured and then it feels pretty much like modern day for the rest of the film. Yeah. Uh, the period details in this film are non-existent, which is a bit of a problem when, Again, the, the inconsistencies in the presentation of this film are, are maddening. It's like, you, there's no way to unravel this and make this jive with the other previous X-Men films because we, we do get attempts to directly connect them. I'm looking at you, Professor X. Um, but based on his age and like based on the, like the really vague timeline presented by this movie, the majority of this movie, I have to assume, takes place in like the early 80s. Like maybe even mid 80s something like that um but it never feels like it like not even a little i mean just it's bizarre just give me some fucking high and tights just some flat tops when these guys get picked up and it does seem like they've been doing this stuff for a little while so it is bled over into the 80s but it still doesn't feel like the 80s it feels like 2000 2008 2009 when they're doing this um, well, yeah, and, and Hugh, even Hugh Jackman's hairstyle is a little bit of a dead giveaway. By the way, we got an upgrade to the hair at this time. Yes, around. we did. He's, he was looking, he was looking pretty raggedy in the Last Stand, but no, he 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 definitely got oh. the right hairdresser, the right wig master for this film. We were getting into the spooky mood, so we watched uh, the Tim Burton Sleepy Hollow, which is one of the greatest Halloween movies of all time. Aesthetically, it is a masterpiece. Uh, but Steph and I definitely noticed a reshoot. Uh, there's definitely a moment where he, Johnny Depp is having a conversation with Michael Goh, and we're like, he's wearing a wig here. Like, that's not his hair. And we're like, I feel like they, this is definitely something where they're like, we've got to explain this family tree shit, like this Will thing, because people are not getting it. So, yeah. But anyway, sorry, I derailed us. Uh, uh, I noticed when Ryan Reynolds pops up, I'm like, it clicked for me. I'm like, oh, this is the Deadpool. This is where he's Deadpool early on. Uh, but I guess he's Wade Wilson. Is that his name? Correct. There we go. Um, it's a it's a play on a Slate. I think it's Slade Wilson. Um, there's a DC Comics character that in a Zack Snyder's uh, Batman versus Superman. I think is played by Joey Manganiello, aka Joey Abs. Oh, that guy. Um, yeah. Characters characters name is Deathstroke and a. Uh, Deadpool and Deathstroke are kind of like Death. Deadpool is kind of a parody of him to some extent. Wait till we get anyway. Go on. Wait till we get to Gambit. There's there's some fun fun with his name. I gotta tell you about. Um, so I'll, I'll be honest with you. Um, 
I knew that this was going to need some lubrication, so I had a couple beers while I was watching this. So I have notes, <laughs> but I'm not necessarily going to know exactly what's being said uh, during these moments because also I have air conditioning that's very loud, and I have to basically turn up the volume every time it turns on. Yeah, so up and down. So after a while, I just stop doing it, and I just don't listen to what they're saying. Uh, so that definitely happened a couple times, and that happens with movies I watch just in general in this place. So, uh, but it's a basically the the fucking striker uh, comes in and is like, "Hey, do you boys want to help the U.S. of A?" Basically, um, he's more or less put together a team of mutants and turn them into a little mercenary group. Yeah, uh, this is, feels very reminiscent of like Snake Plissken being picked up by Lee Van Cleef or uh, John Rambo being kicked up, uh, picked up by the Colonel, <laughs> yeah. uh, Richard Crenna. Uh, feels kind of reminiscent of one of those, you know, classic 80s action films or something. But yeah, Stryker recruits them to, I believe this is supposed to be the equivalent of Team X uh, from the comics. Um, which, as Kyle said, is comprised of, of mutants uh, working for the military. Um, we get introduced to all of them in a in a night flight that they're doing uh, to Lagos, Nigeria. Uh, we have Will I Am as a John Wraith. Um, I don't know what it was about this time period, Kyle, but I I want to say the same year this movie came out. Uh, we also got. Um, a movie that is worse than this, by the way. Um, the Legend of Chun-Li, uh, the Street Fighter movie, uh, starring uh, Kristen Crook from uh, Smallville, I think. Um, that movie is way worse than this, Kyle. <laughs> that movie's, like, legendarily bad. Um, but the only reason I bring it up is uh, one of the other Black Eyed Peas members was in that film. Um, and I'm pretty sure the same year uh, this one came out with Will I Am. Um, but... I thought he was adequate. He 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 does not have acting chops whatsoever. He's just got like a little bit of like natural charisma, but like he is not an actor. Like he doesn't carry himself particularly well, um, and his line deliveries are pretty flat. But he plays John Wraith, who can teleport. Um, Kyle already mentioned Ryan Reynolds as Wade Wilson. Never called Deadpool until we get to the end of the movie, um, and uh, we also get. Uh, Kevin Durand, uh, who was kind of one of the one of like the the it big dudes in Hollywood at this moment in time. Oh yeah, like this happens from time to time where there's like one big dude who's in a lot of movies of this type, or there's like you know the it girl or something like a Molly Ringwald type <laughs> who's just like cast in all those types of movies during that time period. Kevin Durand was very much like the big guy of the moment. And, Kyle, did you have anything to say about him? Yeah, I'm. I'm like, he's definitely one of the bad guys in Walking Tall. Uh, yes, yeah, <laughs> one of the bad guys uh, in Walking Tall. Uh, uh, Robin Hood, uh, the Ridley Scott Robin Hood. He has a small role in Smoking Aces. He's uh, fuck. Yeah. It always comes back to Smoking Aces. Everything is Smoking Aces. Fuck. Three Ten to Yuma, which is pretty great. He dies as fuck in that movie. That's the one that Russell gets a hold of. <laughs> Uh, at the campfire. Yeah, that's good. That's good about. stuff. That's good stuff. Uh, that's some good stabbing. That's some. <laughs> that was some hate stabbing. <laughs> Although he just goes to sleep right after that too. He's like, ah. yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, and uh, yeah, he plays Fred Dukes. Uh, who's the it? Blob? There you go. Nothing moves the Blob. 
That's a direct quote, folks. That's not hate speech or anything. <laughs> I'll, I'll take your word for it. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know what the fuck is happening on this plane. It's just we're, we've been doing this. I don't know. We've been doing this for a while. Now we're doing some more mercenary shit. We have to break into a place in Nigeria. We're infiltrating something, maybe drugs or whatever the fuck. Yeah, uh, Danny Houston is trying to get... He's trying to get a hold of some precious metals, essentially. Mm, mm, okay. Um, which is kind of funny because, like, like it's not the same country. This is Nigeria, but um, like these these are X Men films. This is uh, one year into the MCU. I don't even know if the Incredible Hulk could come out just yet. Um, but you know, Black Panther would come out many many years later. Um, and they are on the hunt for precious metals. And it's hard to think of the Marvel universe and precious metals without thinking of Wakanda and vibranium. Um, but this was long before we would even conceive of seeing that kind of stuff on film. But we'll point out we do have a Hobbit in this film. Oh yeah. Uh, very briefly. Yeah, he's on the plane too. Uh, uh, which Hobbit is it, Kyle? Uh, this is Pippin, Mary Doc. Uh, ah. Did I say Pippin? Did I say Mary? You said Pippin first. Oh my god, you have to edit that out. This is Mary. <laughs> this is <That's> Mary. <laughs> this is Mary Adoc. Uh yes, uh, Dominic Moynihan. Yes, Dominic Moynihan is in this film. Uh he he does very little. Um but he plays a mutant by the name of Bolt, uh who can manipulate electricity and whatnot. Um we also have uh Daniel Henney. Uh, who is a very handsome man who is known, I guess, for being a handsome man in Hollywood and is, I think, currently on, um, was it The Wheel of Time or some shit? Uh, one of those Amazon fantasy shows that isn't The Lord of the Rings. Um, uh, he plays Agent Zero, a.k.a. Maverick. Uh, who, he's a funky character from the comics, way too difficult to get into, but he's good with guns, essentially. Um but yeah, we're here on the hunt for precious metals, and I guess to get them, we're going to raid like a, a warlord's compound or something. Uh, so we hit the ground running, and uh, Agent Zero is sicked on a whole bunch of troops, and we get to see some uh, fancy schmancy wire work uh, where he does uh, some flippy dippy shit and shoots a bunch of people uh, with insane accuracy. He also does a uh, reloading trick uh, that would make uh, John Woo very, very proud. Um, and, of course, action superhero pose when you stick the landing. Uh, we also get introduced to a little bit of what Fred Dukes can do. So that would be uh, Kevin Durand. Um, he punches a, a tank turret, um, and basically the shell explodes off of his knuckles and blows up the interior of the tank instead. Uh, the blob's powers are very uh, difficult to explain, but basically he like can make like a gravitational field underneath him, which makes him effectively immovable. Um, but he also has like ultra pliable skin, so he's borderline indestructible as well, uh, which translates to some degree of super strength. Um, and then we get the all all of them packed into the elevator together, and uh, Ryan Reynolds has some quips here, some attempts at quips. They're not especially charming by any means, but attempts were made. Um, and then we get to see, I guess, an approximation of Deadpool stuff. Because Wade Wilson is sick on an entire room of people, and uh, he he Darth Mauls his way through the room, and he he twirls his twin katana so fast that he de so fast that he deflects all the bullets fired at him. Um, it, 
it, I, I don't know where this idea came from, uh, but Deadpool has never been known to do this. Um, so I don't know. I actually don't know what Wade Wilson's powers are supposed to be in this movie. They're never actually stated. He twirls his swords real fast. Uh, he's real good at it. He can heal himself. He can teleport. He's got Wolverine sword hands. And no, no, but that's later though. Yeah, like I'm talking about like right right now. Like like he spins swords fast. <laughs> he's got reflexes and shit. I guess. Yeah. Um, I did like the shot where he cuts the bullet in half, though. That was actually pretty slick. I believe... actually slow it down for a second. I believe that's in here. I didn't see it. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I didn't watch the movie, Trevor. Uh, Let's see here. Uh, Yeah, so we chat with some folks about a meteor, which I was like, what the fuck is happening now? Like, it it cuts to (laughs) a group, like, like 50 people in, like, a camp, and he's asking this dude about a meteor. And I, like, looked over my shoulder. I'm like, did I... Like I was looking for the remote. I'm like, did I step? Like, did I did I mess something up? Like, did I skip for? I'm like, I have no idea what was happening. But we're just talking about a mirror to year, uh, and I'm sure there's other stuff that happens here. But I think the like Sabretooth is about or Victor uh, is about to just murder all these people, and like all these mercenaries, are like yeah, 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 we have to murder all these people. And Wolverine's like, no, I will not, I will not be taking part of this. And they have like a falling out here. He's just like, I'm. I'm done with y'all. I gotta go do something else. Um, did I get... Is there anything else important from this other than <clears throat> Logan leaves and presumably the team breaks up? Breaks up. No, just a couple of details I thought were clunky. Uh, so one is that, like, you know, we, we had a Vietnam scene earlier in the movie and now we have, like, a... I guess this is supposed to be like the equivalent of like a, a PG thirteen My Lai situation, um, but the way Wolverine leaves to me is is kind of hilarious because he, he he takes his ball and goes home. Yeah, he walks into the jungles of Lagos, Nigeria. I don't know if they have jungles there, but uh, in the movie that's what he does, and they just let him. Mm-hmm. He just walk. He walks. He just walks into the wilderness yeah. and they just everybody just watches him leave it's like wow you couldn't think of a way to make that more visually interesting yeah but yeah they have a disagreement and he walks off into the jungle and nobody tries to stop him yeah he just leaves and then it's like six years later canadian rockies uh yeah exactly yeah. that's the transition it's like okay <laughs> yeah so wolverine's living in a cabin on top of a mountain Oh, that is not a cabin. That that is that is like an an architect's hand touched that. That is a gorgeous residence on the top of a fucking mountain. It's beautiful. They don't really showcase it, but it's like no, that is not a log cabin that he built with his own hands. Well, how the fuck like it seems very out of the way. It's like what are you guys eating? Like what do you have up there? It's it's like when we say like I've it's on top of a mountain. He is in the middle of the mountains. Guys, have you been to a mountain? There's nothing around. Yeah, it looks like Ryu from Street Fighter should be hanging out up here. Minus the fancy cabin. It, it is super, super remote. Um, but yeah, we do learn that he has a lady friend now. Yeah, uh, He's probably had many lady friends he's, since he's been around since the 1840s or whatever. Yeah, he's probably a hoe runner. He needs to be tested because they were not wearing condoms back then. Um, and I'm looking at him. He's not a condom guy. Uh, but uh, he's just been lumberjacking with his girlfriend. That's just what he does. She's 
giving him a ride to work. Maybe there's some chit chat about stuff. I don't know. I wasn't really paying attention. Uh, <laughs> I don't know what else happens here. Besides, but but what, what else happens here? I mean that the the way this movie is structured is very frustrating because there are just a lot of dead ends. Where everything Kyle just said is true. That's all we get. Like very little dialogue between him and his his lady love, uh, Lynn Collins, by the way, who plays uh, Kayla, uh, last name Silver Fox, uh, actually from the comics. Um, although the Silver Fox, I think, is only stated one time in the film, and it's like a a blink and you'll miss it because it's just like one of her school children says it like mm. eighty yard, like at a distance. Um, but yeah, that's it. They're just like we see he's on a mountain. We see he has a lady. He goes to c- chop some trees. We don't even get to see him chop some trees. Uh, th- he just hops in the back of a truck and then cut to Springfield, Ohio, carnival. Yeah, <laughs> that's it. And then, uh, uh, so what is what is um, Mary? What is his uh, power? Because he's just sitting at a carnival booth. Some couple that are on a date go up to him. And he's like, "You get a prize if you turn the light out." And she doesn't because that's his thing. He can just turn on lights or whatever. But he has like, he can like mess with computers or he can mess with camera. I don't really know what his he, electrical. It's quote unquote electrical. It's electric. It's it okay, is okay. it is that vague. Basically, he can manipulate electrical objects. Mm-hmm. So when being unable to turn up out the light bulb comes as a result of him supplying the electricity to the filament in the light bulb. Um, and then, like, when I actually do like the set uh, of his trailer. Oh, I do too. Um, I thought that was, I like that. I thought that had a lot of love and care put into it. Um, it it's it's neat. But we we learn that uh, Dominic Moynihan's character he's he is now working at a carnival. He just has a booth there, and he he rips off some teenagers like you do. <laughs> um, and we see he has a nice cozy trailer just like on, on the campground where they have the carnival set up. And what we are describing here is like. It's a trailer full of light bulbs adorning the ceiling, and when I mean full, I mean full. Like, like it's the entire ceiling is lined with light bulbs, and he also has just all manner of like electric toys like running, and they're all powered by him. Um, and it's just like you can tell he's living, maybe not a happy existence, but a cozy one. Um, and then uh, Victor comes a calling, and Kyle's making a face right now because I went through the cast list and I saw who plays Weapon Eleven. Yeah, I was saving that. Ah, man. <laughs> found him. I, I found him. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. So uh, Victor comes in. He, he plays such a good creep. Uh, uh, he does. He's so good. But he comes in and basically, you, you know, happy things aren't going to happen. And this is such a dumb fucking line that Mary gets to say here. And he's basically telling him, like, I'm going to kill you. Like, that's what's happening. You, you know, you guys can't. We broke up. That doesn't mean you get to just leave. And he's just like, I'm not afraid of you. I'm afraid of dying. I'm like, well, that's the reason to be afraid of him because he's going to kill you. So it doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Um, but presumably, yeah, I think that Dom dies here. <laughs> well, I, I don't remember if he said I'm afraid of dying or I'm not afraid of dying. But what makes the line work is, is Sabretooth's follow-up to it, I think, anyway is like how how would how could you know you've never tried it <laughs> followed by him killing him off screen yeah. of course because pg-13 um yeah i i really like leave schreiber as a as a creep um, he's very good at being menacing he's also a big guy uh, yeah. which i think also played a part in the casting because hugh jackman 
is a very large dude for Hollywood standards. Um, to have a character like Sabretooth, who, if you even glance at his his character profile from the comics, like it, it's very simple. It's like Sabretooth big, Wolverine small. Like that. That's just the that's the basic identity of those two characters. So it would be really it would ring very false uh, to have anyone cast a Sabretooth who couldn't at least see eye to eye with Wolverine, whoever that might be. Um, where, what do you want to throw in there, Kyle? Oh no, I was just going to say what happens next. Uh, apparently, oh. they didn't put the uh, uh, Wolverine didn't put the uh, the banner uh, in his cabin that he should have like they should have done in the school because he wakes up in a berserker rage out of sleep <laughs> just out of fucking nowhere uh it's very scary when he wakes up it's probably the most terrifying thing because he just wakes up in a frenzy and fortunately his girlfriend was you know like making some tea or something she was out of the way but yeah very dangerous yeah no he he pops up out of bed and i, I don't know what the raw count is at this point in the film but it's probably at least three by now but he woke up from a nightmare and his his lady kayla she's she's like uh was it a nightmare was it the wars which one and he's like all of them them. (laughs) Um, but she does point out that he did actually scratch her on the leg in his sleep um but it's okay it's a superficial but then uh we get to see him logging for two seconds i don't know why that's in the movie but then we call back to a striker who shows up and he rolls up in a jeep very Richard Crenna style from Rambo 2 and 3, I think. <laughs> um, uh, but uh, I did actually like the exchange between Agent Zero and Wolverine here uh, at the at his place of work, at his lumberjacking site. Uh, he's like, he's, he's still shooting first, asking questions later, and then Agent Zero shoots the cigar out of his mouth, and he's like, still chewing on cheap cigars? it's like i don't make very much snippy with each other they're they're snippy i did i actually i didn't point it out but i did actually like during the the scene in nigeria when they're within the village they they just like have these lingering shots of facial expressions like just visually spelling out to the viewer which one of these guys is going to be in opposition to wolverine down the line where it's like Agent Zero is shown to be very comfortable with the bad things happening to the villagers, even even Wade, even Wade Wilson gives him a like an eyebrows up moment when they're bullying the villagers. So it's like okay, those two are assholes. This and Sabretooth is like you've always been an asshole, so I don't even have to think about you. This movie makes so much more sense why Deadpool hates Wolverine in those in the movies <laughs> moving forward this it just clicked i'm like oh that's why i think it's a joke in deadpool i did too. like hugh jackman's cameo i did like hugh jackman's cameo in that first deadpool movie when he's when he has the paper cut out <laughs> of hugh jackman that's cute uh but yeah Stryker tells him that uh someone's hunting down the old team taking them out um yeah and he says your country needs you and he says i'm canadian yeah. <laughs> i'm canadian uh yeah and then he's just like i'm gonna go home with my girlfriend and they're driving are they in an el camino is that what they're driving or is it a truck i can't remember uh same idea i think it's a truck or something but there's just two dudes on the road uh and they've got their cars facing either way and they're just blocking the whole road and wolverine gives them the horn obviously get the fuck out of the way and the dude with a note just not even looking at him gives him the finger i'm like that 
that is i'm like either this is a trap or that's a fucking guy who wants to die like his his wife just divorced and ran away with his brother he's ready to die <laughs> i mean they are parked on a bridge who knows what they're talking about yeah jeez. um but yeah that, that guy wants to go to hell tonight apparently but um yeah, uh, we do get a, a line dropped here when uh, he's talking to Kayla in the car. I, I'm the best there is at what I do, and what I do isn't very nice. That's one of Logan's catchphrases from the comics. It's not a surprise it found its way into cinema eventually. Um, but uh, this almost turns into a fist fight when Logan gets out of his car to try to confront these jackasses. Uh, but then uh, his lady friend, uh, Kayla, she steps in and uh, she breaks up the fight. Uh, she puts her hand on the dude's shoulder and says, like, hey, how about you go back to your car and, like, move? And he does. And then they drive home. And, uh, spoiler alert, this is basically, like, telling the audience, uh, not putting a hat on it, but basically signaling to us that's like, oh, she's a mutant. She has powers. They're more subtle than some of the other mutants in this film, but she does have powers. See, maybe it's because I was two beers deep. I didn't catch that. It was very subtle. Uh, so the ending was like oh okay that makes more sense uh so maybe it maybe it was done pretty well in this or maybe i just wasn't paying attention i actually think it is done pretty well okay. uh because it, they don't put too much of a hat on it it, do, it isn't distracting where it's like eye rolling where it's like oh put a pin in that like for whenever the fuck we get to that but like sh they're talking about his mutant powers and how like healing and having his his claws is a burden to him um but she reinforces to him that it's like it, it's a gift um and as as they're going back to the car after she gets the guy to magically go on his merry way uh she refers to her her feminine wiles as a gift so she's kind of like not explicitly stating it but she's basically saying you have gifts i do too aka mutations um i thought it was nice um however i didn't really like the the story time we get uh when they get home um, the presentation of this was I found myself drifting off uh, watching this scene so it's the two of them Kayla and Logan uh, at their cabin together and she tells him the story of uh, Kue Kuatsu um, and it has something to do with a trickster and the moon spirit and a wolverine and the way I think it's just the way she tells the story like I'm sure the story is interesting but I think it's just the way the actress tells the story I was just like I can't keep my eyes open. <laughs> I, I, I can't follow this shit. <laughs> like, yeah, I was. I, that doesn't happen very often, Kyle. I was zoning the fuck out, so I missed most of it. But it's supposed to be a really clumsy hint as to where the story goes in its final act. And it's supposed to be, like, poignant or something. But I, I so completely just missed the point here that, like, when it happened... I, the movie was giving me signals that it was supposed to be like an aha moment but I was like I don't know what the fuck's going on <laughs> like, like, I, I know she told a story about the Wolverine and the moon and a trickster or something but I don't have any clue what it all meant I wasn't paying attention I just heard her say the Wolverine I'm like okay uh, that was probably something that mattered. <laughs> and then I just yeah. kept going moving on, <laughs> moving on. Uh, then I have Lumberjackman uh, I guess maybe he's at work doing shit and then Victor and Homegirl are doing stuff. Yeah, he, uh, he quote, attacks her. Yeah. So Victor appears on the road uh, in front of Kayla, and she stops the car 
uh, and he runs his fingernails through the hood of her car. That's very rude. Very. Um, and that, yeah. Um, and actually, in retrospect, it's like, oh, like I, I could see people like complaining about the scene, being like, oh, what's going on? Why didn't she like try to run him over or something or run away? It's like because it's a fucking plan. Like <laughs> because she she doesn't have to be scared of him. Mm-hmm. She knows what's going to happen. Um, it's a ruse, anyway, you dumb idiot. Yeah. <laughs> pretty much. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so cross cut to uh, Wolverine, Logan, uh, farting around the woods, and he finds a beheaded Wolverine, by the way. Uh, weird, weird bit of grisly gore in a PG-13 movie. It's like there's a be- there's just a head with gore coming out of it in the woods. Um, and he sees some scratch marks on a nearby tree, and I guess he puts two and two together. He's like, oh, Sabretooth. Uh, so he goes running through the woods, uh, something we see Hugh Jackman's Wolverine do in pretty much every fucking Yes, X-Men he movie. runs in every <laughs> fucking movie in the woods. Yeah. <laughs> Always in the woods. Also, Sometimes um, naked. I, I never... <laughs> I didn't look into the filming locations for the X-Men movies. I probably should have done that. I know a lot of it was done in Canada. Uh, I know a lot of this one was done in Australia. Uh, so Hugh Jackman's backyard. Uh, probably not. It's a huge continent. It's a continent, folks. Um, but, uh, there's a joke actually in, uh, Fox productions around this era. They call it, they call it the Fox woods because there was like a specific wooded area that they filmed the majority of like their blockbuster action films in. So I don't know if this movie has the Fox woods in it, but yeah, the site of Hugh Jackman running through the woods is something that pops up in virtually every X-Men movie. Um, probably most intensely in this film and in Logan, um, but uh, he comes across Kayla, and he believes her to be dead because she has blood on her, and her heart has stopped. Yeah, and I don't know. Like I've, I've I gave this movie some compliments for its for its execution of things and its laying down of breadcrumbs. This doesn't make a lick of sense. Yeah, dude, he could sm- he could <laughs> smell fucking a, a dude's ass from like a mile away in the woods. I think you know what a dead ass smells like. This isn't a dead ass. <laughs> So she's not dead yet. The ass smells different when they're dead. <laughs> I'm like, I didn't, I didn't put piece that together, but you're absolutely right. He would, he would know what a dead per. His, he's got some instincts. Yeah. No, you're absolutely right. No, he has enhanced senses. That would be the easiest route to go. But the other one is she has blood on her. There's no open wounds anywhere. Did she like bleed out her ass I've and just like bleed to death? Been next to somebody who had just died. I've been very close to them. Like, you know when somebody has passed away. Yeah. Yes. No, this doesn't make a lick of sense. It's kind of sad, actually, that they thought this would work. And I'm sorry. This this definitely happens in other movies. So it's not, it's not, it's still a a sin in cinema, as it were. But it just really (laughs) doesn't make sense in for him, especially. For for Wolverine specifically, it doesn't make a lick of sense. I mean, um, he just ha- he has too many tools available to him to to get around yeah. this you know dr- heart stopping drug. Yeah. Um. But uh, we get a raw here where it's he says raw, but it it's it's a cradle your loved one in your arms and no I got to the heavens moment. I got this clip specifically for this movie. <laughs> Did you get it? No. Ah. I am so pissed right now. <sighs> Moving on. Moving on. Uh, so we we uh, very quickly cut to a bar. 
Uh, and Wolverine puts his uh, killer schnoz to work uh, because he sniffs out Sabretooth almost immediately uh, yeah. within one scene. He knows that ass. Um, yeah. And uh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I would hope so. Yeah. He's been living with that ass for 200 years or some shit. There was a um, wire fight! Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Could not have said it better. Um, yeah, uh, we get some wire work. Uh, some just like really gnarly, really obvious wire work here. And it's supposed... In concept, I know what they're trying to do. They're trying to allow leave Shriver, all six foot three and two hundred plus pounds of him, to move like a puma. <laughs> but uh, if you've ever heard of the film Puma Man, uh, you will know that the wire work for this scene is probably on par with Puma Man uh, because it is thoroughly unconvincing. Um, and lacks a lot of impact. Leif Schreiber gives it his all. Like, he really did show up for this movie. Like, a lot of people did. But, um, yeah, the wire work did not do him any favors here. But, yeah, we have a nice little bar brawl. I wish they were indoors a little longer, actually. Um, but they go flying through the wall. Um, really nice gag. Like, really nice stunt where he had, he hurls Wolverine into a piece of construction equipment. Um, that was nasty. I don't, like, whoever took that bump, like, kudos to them that was that was really gnarly um but wolverine gets his ass whipped thoroughly in the scene uh, which is fairly comic book accurate like Sabretooth traditionally at least in the old days i think he's actually a good guy these days in the comics but back in the day like it was pretty par for the course to have Sabretooth kind of school wolverine pretty badly um or at least to have them be dead even uh, adamantium or not um, adamantium especially being as that was kind of the norm for Wolverine for a very very long time um, but uh, this is the part in the film where I need to point out that uh, there was a incident with this film where uh, a work print was leaked uh, for this film several months before its official release and uh, the reason I'm bringing this up is because one it's just kind of a nice little anecdote but two um, that actually represented uh, the first instance of me watching this film. Um, my roommate in college at the time, or post-college, uh, he was one of the folks that, uh, one of the millions of folks, apparently, uh, who acquired that work print version of the movie, and we watched it on his laptop. And I gotta say, I think that is actually the more enjoyable way to watch this movie, um, because it, it features unfinished special effects, um, so every instance in which there is a CGI stunt double uh, in this film, um, in the work print version, it's represented by like a untextured, just pure white uh, CGI test, like crash test dummy, essentially. So like when Wolverine gets thrown into the log truck, it's it looks like I don't know, like the the Stay Puft Marshmallow Man being thrown into a toy truck or something. It's completely hilarious. Um, if I don't know if it's possible to find that version of the film uh, these days. Uh, but that actually was the first time I ever saw this movie. Um, it's kind of seared into my memory as the superior cut of the film. But um, yeah, Wolverine gets some logs kicked on him. He gets thrown into a fucking truck. Uh, and he does get his claws stepped on, which causes them to break, uh, which I thought was a nice touch um, because he does have a healing factor. Of course, they'll grow back. Um, but that's a that's gnarly, actually, for especially for a PG-13 movie. Um but we hard cut to the hospital where uh, Stryker comes to pick him up again. Like he, he is very persistent, Kyle. Am I wrong on that? <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't know what hit. <sighs> Stryker is a complicated character in this, uh, in this 
script, I would say. He's complicated in the script because I don't know what his motivation is. It seems to change on a whim. I don't really know what the point of his character is in this movie because, yeah, he goes to pick up Wolverine in the in the um, hospital and he basically convinces Wolverine. It's like, hey, I can give you adamantium bones. And Wolverine's like, okay, like this, this is, this is what does it. <laughs> but I, I really want to get to the next part. I don't know if you have anything else you want to set up because this is the part that really I'm just like, I don't understand what's happening now. Like I'm completely lost. Uh, I'll, I'll just point out uh, one thing here. I did like uh, the bit where Wolverine is getting testy with Stryker and uh, Stryker comes back at him with, I swear on my son's life. Yeah, like you give a fuck about that little shit. Yeah, and that's one of those weird instances where the movie deliberately tries to connect to a previous film in the franchise and actually does it pretty well because if you've seen X2, you know yeah, that, that means absolutely nothing. Yeah, the guy who plays Bane and uh, Sloth from uh, Seven it plays that guy, I believe. His son in, in oh. X2, yeah. Ba- I'm sorry, Bane, okay. uh, that- the, the pre-Bane in Batman, uh, Batman and Robin. Do you remember the really skinny guy? I do yeah. know who you're talking yeah. about. Uh, I mean, obviously, he's an actor that is a small fella, mm-hmm. and he's cast specifically for like emaciated or small people roles. I believe Brian Singer stated that he, uh, on the commentary, um, he said that he saw him in some a, a film project having to do with concentration camps. So he was playing that, yeah. a person in a concentration camp because he is a very skinny guy. Uh, yeah. So I'm not surprised that he would be the pre- pre-venom bane is there anything more shocking in cinema history than when you realize that he's alive in the movie seven i don't think there is <laughs> that might be the craziest thing i've ever I mean, seen that, uh, the girlfriend doesn't listen to the show very regularly so i don't i don't think i'm in danger of spoiling anything for her but she has not seen seven girlfriend if you i have talked to her if, if, at <laughs> length about seven i she knows that seven is a very important film to you in particular oh, yes. so the seven is on her radar it's on her to-do list she doesn't know about that oh man i want again predator 2 i watched seven way too young <laughs> Oh, buddy. My grandma was just not paying attention. Um, <laughs> oh, she used to get, she'd get new VHS every month. She'd get like a box of them. So she'd get like Manchurian Candidate, Wag the Dog, fucking Seven. And we would just be in the other room like, let's just watch a movie. She has no idea. As long as we're not dead, we're doing fine. Oh. Uh, yeah. So this is where we get the bones. We're going to get the adamantium bones. Yeah, we get to the bones. We get to Weapon X, the Weapon X program. Yes. So the plan is Stryker is using Wolverine as an experiment. He's going to turn him into a super soldier. Uh, and he's... Folks at home, you know what happens to Wolverine. This is What happens to Wolverine happens now. This is that. This is that, basically. <laughs> um, yeah, and actually, that's one of my big objections to this movie is that it's such a well-known thing maybe let it breathe a little bit mm-hmm. like we spent five seconds on on one of the most important and well-known instances in the history of this character and we we just like plow straight through it like we don't even take a second to, to linger on it it's incredible how how hurried the sequence is i was misremember i was getting uh my wires were getting crossed with this and t3 uh there's one that or not t3 is it uh, which one gets injected? Maybe it's uh, X two. Do they inject 
the homegirl with, uh, yeah. yeah, okay, I'm missing. See, I'm getting all three of them mixed up. Uh, somebody Better film. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, yeah, so they're going to juice him up, and his heart rate gets to over 300, which, even for him, that's not happening. I think your heart explodes at, like, 250 or something like that. Like, anything <laughs> over 250, I think, is pretty much... You're, you're done, though. Yeah, over 300. I'm like, holy Moses! So, they juice him up. They believe he doesn't survive. And then, I think he pops back on. Like, he wakes up. And Stryker's just, like, erases memory. I'm like, what? W- what are we doing now? That's what causes him to pop back on, actually. Yeah. Maybe that's what it is. But I'm just like, wait, what is your motiva- What is your motivation, sir? Like, what are you trying to accomplish here? Okay, so, yeah, I, I really hated the part where he asked for new dog tags, by the way. Because just, it just comes out of nowhere. And I, I think, again, it's an attempt to, like, hastily inject continuity uh, to the previous X-Men films. But, like, we just have this, like, one CGI sequence. Like, just one shot of some new dog tags being minted, like, just prior to the experiment. It's like, dude, he's all strapped in and like he's all ready to go. It's like, no, no, we need to we need to make these new dog tags first, though. It's like, what? It's like, that doesn't make any sense. But, um, yeah, the the sequence when they're putting the adamantium in him, I guess, is done fine. Um, I I don't like the design of the set as much as I do in X two. Um, there's there's like a a meanness. There's a griminess. There's a an eerie quality to the set in x2 where it has some of that like moody like green greenish coloring to the the lighting scheme that just makes it seem more unfriendly here it's just like it's it's too open it's it's not cluttered enough it just doesn't feel as menacing i guess um but they do a decent job of like showing the intensity of the process like they do make it seem like a gnarly thing that a normal human being wouldn't be able to survive um but yeah, Danny Houston just kind of says, like, never mind the fact that the person has enhanced senses that's in the tank down below. He's like, <laughs> erases memory. <laughs> yeah. He's like, I think he heard that, motherfucker. <laughs> and then he just wakes up. I'm insane with anger! And he uh, just goes berserker out of there, butt naked, and is escaping. And then he's just like, hunt him down. Take off his head. I'm like... Wait, what? What now? Like, I, he, you got him on your side. Do you think that putting him in the tank and pissing him off was going to get him off your side? Like, I don't, he consented to this. Like, he agreed to it. You told him it was going to suck. It's very much going to hurt. He was still going to go through it. I just, it, it makes no sense. The striker makes no sense in this scene. It makes no sense on a variety of levels because, I mean, in the comics, as far as I recall, Wolverine didn't volunteer. He was abducted and placed That's in better. this program. Yeah, yeah, and, and also the the major deviation from the source material and, and in fact, the first X-Men movie <laughs> um, is Wolverine is shown to have lost his memory in the Weapon X program, like as a result of the Weapon X program. I haven't even gotten to that part and, of this movie that I'm like, wait, yeah, what? So they're they're adding like an epilogue chapter to the Weapon X thing that is not good and and it it it's really clunky and it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. 
Um, but I mean, supposedly, Danny Houston's whole scheme here, Stryker's scheme, is that he does have a line saying the bonding works. We use his DNA for the eleven, as in the next, the next Weapon X project, the Weapon Eleven project. Um, so basically, he's using Wolverine's body as like a a prototype for using the same adamantium bonding process on someone else to be named later. Um, so he, his end goal is to create a mutant killing agent, like a mutant Terminator, essentially. Um, but the way he's going about it, as Kyle pointed out, is uh, expensive and not very smart. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, uh, the Jackman goes on a naked rampage, although I don't think rampage is the right word because he doesn't he like kills a couple of guys and he cuts open a door and then he jumps down a waterfall which as we saw in the previous x-men movies doesn't exist (laughs) because alkali lake is featured in multiple x-men movies prior to this and it ain't this (laughs) your your neck beard's growing uh you're going too far it's too far I'm just we all Weapon know X that there's ramp- no waterfall here. <laughs> <laughs> the Weapon Do X we? escape sequence, the Weapon X program in general, is, is so well known that to do it so f- wrong is, is bizarre to me. To the point that they actually try to redo it. They try to redo this shit in X-Men Apocalypse, and they do it m- more in the spirit of the original I'm source like- material. It's not good there either. I'm like... But at least they try to do the thing the way we all know it. I know there's another movie where naked Wolverine runs out of a fucking dam. I'm just like, there's, or like runs out of somewhere. I'm like, I know that it's Apocalypse. That's what it is. Yeah, they they got Hugh Jackman like when he was off cycle or some shit. (laughs) Um, And they hastily called him in for some reshoots because they decided, the studio decided, oh fuck, I don't think we can successfully put out an X-Men movie that doesn't have a naked jackman in it get hugh on the phone it's like, it's like i'm off cycle mate <laughs> it's like well get him over here anyway put a funny helmet on him hello <laughs> they want me back for what no no i've been eating raising canes for fucking six months mate i can't do it <laughs> <laughs> um uh, yeah so he runs naked uh and i think he runs past some old folks and they see him run to the yeah. barn and they're just like, did you, did you see a naked dude run into the barn? And they're like, yeah, I think so. Uh, and this old guy goes in there. And he handles it so well. He's just like, how you doing, son? And he's just like, I, I don't fucking know, dude. I'm, I'm, I'm all messed up. He's like, why don't you cover up? Uh, don't want you to give an old lady a heart attack. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I don't know if he's, yeah. <laughs> I did like how his his second question is like, it's not the drugs, is it? <laughs> it's like, yeah. It's like that would be important. That would have prompted a different reaction if he said yes to that. Yeah, I think I think you'd pick up on that pretty quick if it was. Um, but yeah, and this whole sequence is fucking stupid. Uh, you could just yeah. take this right out of the movie. Uh, I would be it, honestly, you could edit it out. It'd be totally fine. Um, yeah. So he. Uh, I, I'm I'm sorry. We need to talk bathroom claws, guys. I know that's where I was headed. Uh, okay. Yeah, because okay. it's pretty fucking stupid. Uh, Wolverine, I guess he's got new claws. He's used to having bone claws. Now he's got these awesome new blades, and he makes a cut into the sink that is impossible. Like it cannot be done. He 
slices it like a fucking piece of cheese. <laughs> that's not how. <laughs> that's not how porcelain. It looks like when a Terminator shows up. It looks like when a Terminator shows yeah. up and they're they're squatting a little too close to a truck or something. Yeah, I was gonna say like yeah, it, it's too clean. I'm like, if you want to see how a sink breaks, watch fucking Walk Hard, The Legend of Dewey Cox. That's how sinks break. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. So he, better movie. Much better movie. Great movie. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah. So he goes down there having they're making. He like brings the. Uh, I'll I'll pay for this. Uh, he's got like half the sink, and they're like, okay. Uh, and he's like, you like motorcycles? And like, yeah. Uh, I like the fucking T whatever the fuck. He's like, well, you're too, you're too young for that to know what that is. And he's just like, gives like the eyebrow raise, like, bitch, you don't know me. Um, <laughs> and I mean, you're watching these people. They're very affable. They're very friendly. And you're just like, they are so dead. Like, they're, they're so dead and they have, don't even know it. Uh, <laughs> I'm just waiting for these people to die. Uh, and I think they get Homegirl, like, through the window. Do they just, like, shoot her in the chest while they're having dinner? Uh, it's af- it's the morning the after. Morning after. The morning yeah. after. Well, um, yeah. But the the, ba- the bathroom claws, just need to point out, like, I, I want to say this was a hasty reshoot plus, like, a rush job in the CGI department because you want to see some bad CGI in a, in a 2000s era film. This is a strong candidate for some some of the gnarliest work you'll see because uh, the the lighting on the claws, the proportions of them, they're like giant like not steak knives like like these are just like giant cleavers <laughs> and and the way the light reflects off them is all wrong. The tracking is wrong. You can see them kind of like wiggling on his knuckles as he's moving around the room. It, it's terrible. Like, it's really, really terrible. I don't know exactly who catches the blame for that, but it's legendarily bad. Um, I thought they looked great. I thought they looked perfect, ma- so I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> um, the dinner scene is funny because, in retrospect, like, it's it's a cute little scene. It's, it's, a, it's just, like, a time filler. Like, it's not important, but in retrospect, now that we have Logan, it it's a little nicer, actually, because that scene is that whole dynamic kind of being taken in by strangers is is replicated in logan um to much better effect but to see it repeated in the history of this character through his journey in cinema is actually kind of it's i wouldn't say it's poetic but it is nice um so it's it's not an important scene or anything but if you rewatch logan you'll know what i'm talking about boyd holbrook in logan yes he is okay i remember nothing of that except for him in a back seat with sunglasses on at one point Kentucky gold. <laughs> um, I mean, that accent, man, it, it goes a long way in Hollywood. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what he's doing right now. I don't either, but, you know, the Predator happened, and I'm pretty sure that hurt a lot of careers, too. Trevante Rhodes um, is, yeah. cl- like, he is clawing his way back, just trying to get back. Yeah, we all wish the best for him. We do. Because he, he actually did, he did stand out quite a lot in the Predator. Like, you could tell that guy's going places. Not everybody else in that cast, but that guy, he's hes doing all right. Um, but, uh, yeah, in the morning, we're hanging out in the barn, and Wolverine is given uh, the leather jacket that he wears throughout most of the X-Men films. Uh, Kyle disapproves. He's not a big fan of the design. Oh, this is leather um, jackets and boot-cut jeans again. This is still the era. Yeah. Yeah, no, we're, we're, we're approaching the status quo for the era as... Re- 
and remind just a reminder the movie is supposed to be a period piece but as kyle pointed out it never feels like it not even a little bit um but uh, it i think it's implied uh that these old folks had a son who has passed away uh, because he's he's pretty quick to give away the the jacket and the motorcycle um Anyway, they have some, like, kind words for Logan. And then uh, Gam Gam shows up with a, a plate of, like, lemonade or something. Then she gets shot in the back mm-hmm. uh, by Agent Zero, uh, who is posted up on a hilltop, like, a fucking mile away. Uh, but it's, like, one of those shocking moments where it's, like, you knew it was going to happen. You didn't know Gam Gam was going to get it, <laughs> like, it, 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 at breakfast, though. It would have <laughs> been better if it was a headshot. But, um, yeah. She PG thirteen, Kyle, and and there is some evidence to suggest that maybe the director was not wanting this to be as tame as it is because that actually is a problem I have with this movie. It's like motherfuckers got claws, like like it's gotta be it's gotta be kind of gnarly. Like you you can't do that gracefully. Maybe. Like even the earlier X Men films were surprisingly violent. This one they actually tone it down quite a bit. Maybe when they when they. Uh inevitably uh redo this whole thing like just bring back the original characters uh we get a new wolverine maybe they'll go hard r on some wolverine that'd be that'd be interesting i mean they they already did in in logan Eh. like i mean that was very hard r (laughs) i'm sure you're right f-bombs and and juicy gore all over the place that movie's very violent i do not remember it um you should rewatch it because um if if that's what you're in the mood for, it, it's plenty. It's plenty gory, Kyle. <laughs> sure, I got time to kill. Uh, uh, there's a chase. I'm guessing there's stuff you want to talk about in there because I literally have it down as chase. Oh no, actually, Kyle, this this you'll be happy to know. Um, this is a vehicle chase, and uh, neither of us are car people or motorcycle people for that matter. So um, my unless it's Indiana Jones and and vehicles, unless. Unless, like, people are clamoring on vehicles. I generally don't care. Like, when it comes to, like, acrobatic, like, car, like, driving and whatnot and stunt driving, I acknowledge it's cool, but I just just check out just a little bit unless it's done truly exceptionally well. And this is adequate, but it's not, this is not, like, fucking the french connection or some shit like like or or bullet for that matter this isn't like a top tier car chase or something that you actually can appreciate even from a lay perspective judging by the topic those are movies with good car chases in them um you should watch those movies (laughs) does one of them have steve especially steve mcqueen bullet good movie very good movie. okay uh yeah Uh, inspired heat in some ways but it's much better than oh I'm glad you glad you added that second part <laughs> <laughs> I know who I'm talking to. <laughs> um, yeah, so there's a chase. Wolverine gets away, and he says, "I'm going to kill you, Striker." Does he kill Web the gun guy? Does he get him? Oh yeah, Agent Agent Zero is pursuing on a chopper, and uh, the stunt work in this sequence is hilarious because this was a trailer moment. Um, they got me to like laugh out loud when I saw the commercial for the movie because it's Wolverine is on a humvee that gets hit by a missile and then he like trampolines off of the humvee as it's exploding and he like puts his knuckles up with his with his you know claws out and he does like a superman pose and he flies up at the chopper and he cuts the chopper's blades 
and then he like lays on top of the chopper as it's spiraling out of control and some of these shots of Hugh Jackman going ah! <laughs> like that's what you put in your trailer <laughs> I mean it was 2009 it was the style at the time it's a different we were kind of going balls out ridiculous there was a different trailer time I mean movies definitely change over the decades but fucking trailers there is there is an incredible evolution of uh, film trailers like just through the years 90s trailer are we done are we done with the melancholy piano renditions of well-known pop songs i don't know what the next move is there's got to be we've got to pivot to something else like there's got to be a new kind of trailer like somebody has got to do it because the 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 sound dropout and the yeah you gotta have that it's kind of been the norm for about a decade but i think we're on our way out with that and then the um, I'm looking at you, Avengers: Age of Ultron. The I have no strings from Pinocchio, but done with like a melancholy, like downbeat female vocalist instead. Like we've been in that era for a while now, but I feel like we're transitioning out. I feel like the next move is we're just gonna do because of Amazon and Netflix. It's mostly Amazon where you don't actually get a preview; you just get like a scene from a movie. You just get like a scene from the movie. You're like, uh. Okay, that's not a fucking trailer. I feel like that's the next move. I feel like we're just going to get a scene, just like a teaser scene from the trailer. Or that, as the trailer. I've seen... I can't recall off the top of my head, but I do remember trailers done that way previously, mm-hmm. where like the initial, the initial teaser for a movie is just a small scene from it that is usually enigmatic or very tense or something. It's like, oh... I would watch that if that's the rest of the movie. Yeah, and it's usually not. So maybe you're right on that. Uh, <laughs> no, absolutely not. <laughs> so now I have in big letters on the top of my page, and I don't know at what point during the page I put it on there, but I have, I don't know what's happening uh, because the, the chain of events, we get Cyclops, Fred Dukes, fucking Gambit, and then wait, like we just like... Just straight through, and like I, I don't know what's happening now. Where you lost me. Well, remember that this is a director who felt he was being hassled to the point that they they called Dick Donner. They got Richard Donner to show up to the set to talk this motherfucker down because this guy was apparently threatening to walk. So they got the Goonies and Superman and Lethal Weapons Richard Donner to show uh, you up. Got the it. father of the producer. <laughs> you, you got uh, <laughs> you got you got a lead man who is he? Oh, an Aussie with crazy hair? Oh, I can handle that. That's <laughs> not a problem. <laughs> Does he have a drinking problem? No? Okay. Does he is he is he pretty racist? No? Oh, this is gonna be a cakewalk. Yeah. No, you don't need me? Alright. Well, if he, if he starts throwing bottles of minorities, let me know. I'll I'll be in there. I'm sure that's exactly how the conversation went. <laughs> Folks, if you but, could figure figure out that movie, I think you could figure out those four movies that I'm talking about. <laughs> exactly four. Soon to be five, apparently. Good God, I hope that's not true. Oh, I hope it is. I, oh, please tell me. I don't... I really don't want that, Kyle. Everybody! Those bring movies, them all that, back! <laughs> God, the fourth one, it ended so well. It like ended. It didn't... It, it, no, but I mean, it's like that—that that could have been such a shit show. Mm-hmm. That movie didn't—it didn't need to be good, but it actually ended pretty well, yep. all things considered. I don't need that, man. I don't need a five. Fuck off with that. Ah. And I love those movies. They're, I have seen those movies so many times. Folks at home, Lethal Weapon was 
probably going to be one of my master classes of choice this year around if we weren't so fucking busy this I year. I really um, just don't want to like Mel Gibson movies. I really don't want to like them. But he just pulls you back in. Like, if you if you liked Dragged Across Concrete, he just pulled you right back in somehow. I don't know how he does it. Kyle and I were... Kyle and I were talking about the problem of the separating the artist from the art uh, before the, the mics heated up. And I know this is a tangent, but bear with me. But Mel Gibson is definitely one of those cases where, yeah, he's demonstrated time and time again. He's not a good guy. Demonstrably a, good a bad person, person yes. <laughs> yeah, he is demonstrably a bad person. But when he is acting, when he is performing, when he is in front of a camera... He is magnetic. He's magnetic. Like he is, he really is. He can carry a fucking film. Uh, it, it's it is what it is. And yeah, I I understand. I freely admit, not a good person. But even today, if he shows up in something, like he usually shows up. Yeah, I think Danny Glover's gonna be like, "Don't put my, do not put my trailer next to his. I don't want to be talking to him <laughs> unless we're in the scenes together." <laughs> getting too old i'm too old for this shit (laughs) (laughs) no i'm not getting i'm too too old old for this shit shit. uh i'm too old okay so let's just kick it off why the fuck is danny boy (laughs) danny boy why the fuck i don't think it's even gonna work i don't even i don't know if it's gonna work but let's see why is why is scott in here why is cyclops in here uh, so what I was trying to get to in way too many words was um, our director was being hassled during the producing of this film, like during the production of this film. I have to assume that the rapid fire succession of Marvel Comics characters being paraded around, like paraded in front of us for the next 10, 20 minutes or so is probably a studio mandate. Because remember, I, I did mention this on, on the Last Stand uh, episode last week. Gambit was planned to be in The Last Stand. He was lifted from that film and placed into this one because of studio mandate. Because they determined, we are making both of these films at the same time. We're starting to get rumblings that maybe that Wolverine movie isn't going to pan out the way we want it to. We need to juice it up with some of that Gambit juice, some of that Cajun juice. Um, So it, it stands to reason that, you know, having cyclops here is just because we needed to have some more cameos to get you know the super fans talking on the internet because remember this is 2009 that wasn't that was kind of in full swing we were entering that era of fucking media um but yeah scott summers cyclops is a teenager in the sequence which is supposed to indicate where we're at in the timeline um again it just adds more confusion but he's has a, he's having a headache in the classroom and based on the fact that he has his red lenses that are blocking his eye beams, he is aware that he has a mutation and that he shoots eye beams. Okay. Um, and in between that, we're bouncing back and forth between Scott in school and then Vegas, where Wolverine goes to meet with Will I Am, uh, because we can't only have him in one scene. Uh, he's got albums to promote. And uh, he is apparently a boxing promoter or manager or something in Vegas. Uh, And he dumps a bunch of exposition in Logan's lap here, telling him that Victor, a.k.a. Sabretooth, went nuts after he, (coughs) Logan, left the team. Um, And then he set set out to work rounding up mutants. And apparently John Wraith 
Will I Am did the same thing for a while. Uh, so he was hunting his own kind for a spell, uh, but he bailed, and now Sabretooth is still doing it. Uh, um, yeah, it also doesn't make sense like, why Will I Am is in this because the Black Eyed Peas were pretty much past their prime at this point, like 2009. I, yeah. That's what I thought. I'm glad you confirmed that because that's what my gut told me. I like well, like the Wu Tang Clan were definitely early '90s. That like that was I mean they were really popular in the '90s. But then you'd see like Method Man, Red Man having their own movies in the aughts. RZA, you couldn't get away from RZA, but RZA is also very charismatic. Will I Am is not well, charismatic. RZA is also RZA also loves movies. Like he. I want to say he strong arms his way into a lot of productions because he, like you said, you couldn't stop the man. He, he, even today, seems to find find roles in major films. I think I think uh, the Wu Tang Clan also have nicknames, have uh, uh, superhero nicknames as well. Like they have different names that go by. I'm trying to think. I think uh, keep talking. Let me look it up. But I'm pretty sure they have uh, different uh, names that they go. They- by. They had their own video game back on the on the original PlayStation. Oh, they did. Uh, that makes sense. it was a yeah. It was it was a fighting game. I think you could play four players, and it was hyper violent, and it was Wu Tang themed and everything. Like all all the all the members were playable characters. But um, anyway, uh, as I said, John Wraith is now a boxing promoter or manager or trainer or something, and uh, he tells Wolverine like, "I don't know any more. I don't have any more exposition to dump on you." <laughs> That's it. Talk to Fred Dukes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so he says hey we should go talk to dukes and uh we get the big reveal of fred dukes who you know we we the comic book you know knowledgeable people in the audience already knew where this was going also if you saw a fucking trailer um fred dukes uh has developed a some sort of eating problem and now he is uh, like absurdly obese and now he is the blob um, Me- uh, sorry, it, an update for us. It was Method Man. Method Man will also go by sometimes as Johnny Blaze. That's who it was. Oh, uh, Ghost Rider. Correct. Uh, so he took his alias from the Ghost Rider. There you go. Uh, very similar to Nicolas Cage, uh, who did the same thing with Luke Cage. Um, so yeah, uh, we get to, we get into a sparring session with the Blob, and I do know that Hugh Jackman, uh, the Jacked Man uh, at the time anyway, was a fan of boxing as a form of workout, um, and I guess he would parlay these skills into Real Steel, uh, the underseen uh, sci-fi boxing film from a few years down the line. Um, but yeah, he gets into a little boxing match with the Blob, and we get CGI man titties. Mm-hmm. Um, Deeply unpleasant to behold, <laughs> but uh, Kevin Durand is wearing a full-on uh, prosthetic bodysuit. Uh, it's actually it actually looks nice. It doesn't move especially well, um, but it is like apparently one of the largest fat suits ever constructed. Um, I forget who did this. If this if this was amalgamated or a K and B, um, but whoever it was, uh, they did a decent job with it. Um, it's it's a shitty little scrap um it comes to a conclusion when uh, we discover wolverine can't really hurt the blob because he has that pliable indestructible skin so punches to his midsection aren't going to do shit um but then the the tide kind of turns when the blob headbutts him and then because uh wolverine is working with an adamantium skull uh, he hurts himself in the process and then uh 
we get to see Hugh Jackman do his best uh, Tony Jaa impression or uh, Macho Man Randy Savage impression uh, if you're looking for something more mainstream. Uh, and he hops onto the top turnbuckle and does an elbow drop th- on top of the man's head. I thought you were gonna say I thought you were gonna say he was flexing his shoulders in a way that looked like he had no neck while also putting his hands up to his head. So I, uh, <laughs> I'm like Tony Jaw. Hugh- I would love to see Hugh Jackman oh. do a Macho Man Randy Savage impression. He could do it. His movie? Oh fuck yeah, dude! We're like that's. I mean, the, he has the intensity. He's got he's got vocal talent. We've got the Hulk the Hulk Hogan movie. We've got uh, Weird Al Yankovic. Absolutely, Hugh Jackman as uh, Macho Man Randy Savage. Oof, I'd see that in the theater. I would love to see that. <laughs> Dire- have Darren Aronofsky direct it too. Fuck it, he knows how to do a wrestling movie. <laughs> I'll watch that shit. Not the wrestling movie you want, but he can do a wrestling. movie. He'll give you a wrestling movie. Movie's <laughs> <laughs> fantastic. Um, it is. Uh, so yeah, he fights. I guess Dukes tells him that Victor is with Stryker. He's just like Stryker's going around finding folks. Um, uh, Gambit's here. Yeah, and simultaneously uh, to the blob telling Logan that um, we see Victor uh, come come for Scott at school um, and hunt him down. And uh, we get this gnarly sequence where he tackles Cyclops and Cyclops like spirals out of control and his eye beams blow a hole through the roof of the school. (laughs) It's like, damn, property damage. Um, by the way, they do the Cyclops optic blast wrong because it causes fires. His his eye beams don't cause fires. It's just you know, just telling me they're, they're concussive. They're not. They're not heat. It's not hot. It, it's, it's <laughs> concussive force. <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh, you know. Ah, so yeah, the blob tell. <laughs> you're gonna tell me that Mystique's cup size was off in X Men Three. <laughs> I mean, I could. Tell you, I'm not going to. <laughs> uh, hey, anyway. The blob tells Logan that Victor is working with Stryker. Stryker deal- made a deal with Victor too, but at the moment we don't know what that deal entails. Uh, the blob also tells Logan about Gambit in New Orleans, um, and he says that you need to talk. I'm out of exposition to dump on you, so now you gotta go talk to that guy. You gotta go talk to Gambit because Gambit escaped from quote the island that a lot of the bad guys have been talking about and he's the only person that's ever done that so if you want to find the island you got to talk to gambit okay so are you a fan of gambit are you a gambit fan i mean we all were any any kid who watched that cartoon but that's kind of it for me like he's never been like my guy or anything okay because apparently like i've heard that he's a very important character like he's up there as far as popularity he's he's really popular okay they've been trying they've been trying to make a solo gambit movie since the first x-men movie okay so he does jack shit in this movie as far as his Uh (laughs) uh-huh absolutely nothing which i was kind of surprised by i'm like okay i thought he was gonna do something uh can you please pronounce his real name for me uh, Remy LeBeau. Okay. There is an adult film actress whose name is Remy LaCroix. Lecro- it's spelled like LaCroix, like the soda waters. <laughs> I didn't realize that was his name. And I was like punching in Gabbett and my Google went Remy LeBeau. I'm like, whoa, that's not I'm like, that's not what it was supposed to be. But then I'm like, oh, his name is Remy LeBeau. I'm like, ah, it is something that happens. Like, I think there's a, uh, a film actress named Jesse James also. There's like there's several. I think there's also an April O'Neil as there, well. Oh, really? 
I just saw her in a movie. Uh-huh. I just watched <laughs> Halloween Town. Steph made me watch Halloween Town. She's the mom in that. Uh, there's also a James Dean. Uh, James Dean is also a film actor. Uh, but yeah, I, I'm not surprised. I didn't figure out until I was looking up Gambit that I'm like, oh, that's where she got her name. Okay, okay. <laughs> uh, uh, she got it from the drink, from the bubbly drink. Yeah, that uh, <laughs> I don't even think was out yet. <laughs> Uh, I don't even know when that shit hit the streets. What, whenever it was, it changed the world. Speaking of which, I'm going to grab one. all around. Ah. <laughs> okay, I'll, I'll riff for a while. Uh, so we cut to Bourbon Street. And uh, Will I Am has a legendarily bad uh, line delivery of watching Gambit from afar do some card tricks. And he says, that's cool. <laughs> it's like, whoa, that's some of that acting shit, isn't it? Yeah. Um, and we get to meet Gambit. He's uh, gambling at a table. He's playing some form of card game. Uh, and we're cross-cutting back and forth between this card game in New Orleans to uh, Victor uh, in the back of the building uh, getting into a fist fight with Will I Am, and this is like one of the lamest fucking fights you could ever imagine because this is Will I Am, not exactly a physical specimen, using his teleportation powers to not especially affect like not to the greatest of effect on a much larger much more intimidating man the face that he makes when he gets got it's like it's it's really bad (laughs) he's just like like someone hit the someone just hit the off switch on him yeah it's like somebody (laughs) powered uh, him down yeah um yes that's exactly so i'm sure that there's you know casting for gambit like somebody's got their dream casting and somebody's probably got it narrowed down to somebody really good but do you think there's somebody they could have done just somebody a little bit better than taylor kitsch in this movie just to without theo vaughn theo vaughn (laughs) (laughs) oh my god dude Uh, dustin poirier could you imagine they would never happen but a fucking theo vaughn gambit movie it would be so funny I'm going to start playing the lottery. I'm going to start playing the lottery, buy the IP just for that one character, and pay Theo Vaughn to do that movie. <laughs> yeah, Theo Vaughn, his favorite UFC fighter, Dustin Poirier. Um, but the, the actually, the, the leading candidate for a long time now has always been Channing Tatum. I was going to say Channing Tatum. He could do it. Yeah, Tan- Tanning Manham was always the, he was always the leading candidate. But I'll watch that. Uh, I don't know if that's ever going to happen. However, to my knowledge, Channing Tatum has yet to throw his hat in the superhero arena. Um, but I would imagine all all the major studios are knocking on his door. Uh, so it's still a possibility. Maybe. Can't think Maybe. Of- Kevin Nash. I do. I do feel like it Matthew needs McConaughey. To, I was gonna wrong say, kind of South, but you know, whatever. I, it does need to be somebody like an actor from the South. I do think that that would make a oh, difference. Yes, it has to be. Yeah, like the the uh, the the accent should be semi authentic. In his prime, Woody Harrelson could have been fun. Uh, <laughs> I'm serious. The ugliest fucking gambit you can ever. <laughs> He's supposed to be a Lothario. Oh, damn it. <laughs> Eh. Uh, eh. He uses expressions like mon chéri. <laughs> mon chéri. <laughs> mon chéri. <laughs> you got any of them internets? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he does look like, uh, as they say in uh, Zombieland, he does look like Yosemite Sam. So, yeah, yeah I think you're right. He's <laughs> not quite there. <laughs> Uh, yeah. But he's a fantastic actor, but Lothario, no. So, yeah, Will I Am gets got really quick, just with his mouth agape. Uh, 
And we get this alley battle that means basically nothing. It's just enough to scare Victor off for a little bit. Gambit saves the day, yeah. basically. Yeah, actually, like, I'm not going to talk at length about this, but one thing that is especially bothersome for me about this movie is that we have talented actors. We clearly actually have some decent uh, stunt people and choreographers at work because th there's some decent ideas uh, framed. It's just something to do with the editing of the film. None, not a single action beat in this film, with the exception of that kind of lame motorcycle chase. Not a single action beat in this movie lasts for more than like 20 seconds. Mm -hmm. And it's really frustrating because we never get to sink our teeth into anything. Like We never really get to breathe in the scene and actually see any sort of drama unfold. It's just like, bam, bam, bam. Oh, okay, now we need to move on. And it's really frustrating when a movie does that, especially a movie that has so many action sequences. Um, so what I'm getting at is like there there was promise. Like I I can see that some some neat things were probably filmed. It's just the way they're presented is very frustrating to me me specifically. But um, apparently Wolverine pushes the wrong button on Gambit. Uh, he says the wrong thing to him. Gambit gets suspicious and uh, uses his mutant power on him by throwing some uh, kin kinetic cards at him uh, <laughs> uh gambit's mutant power kyle is he he can charge physical objects with kinetic energy which causes them to like ex explode so basically his his trademark in the comics and stuff was always he would carry a deck of cards on him and he just like flick them at people and just that small card could cause a significant explosion so he could take something seemingly innocuous and make it into a deadly weapon and he can do it with any object not just cards it's just he's in the cartoons it was always cards but um he throws an entire deck of cards at wolverine and it blows him through a brick wall so that's a good indication of what he's capable of um but uh instead of fighting gambit then and there though wolverine gets up and immediately sees victor and he actually elbows gambit right in the face without he does the batman punch on him He's not looking at me. Elbows him in the fucking face. He just mushes his nose. Oh, he fucking um, Leslie Nielsen's him basically. <laughs> just like fucking. Yes, exactly. <laughs> he does the double punch on him. <laughs> it's an accidental punch, but but Wolverine and and Victor start to have a little bit of a scrap, and then it's interrupted by Gambit, who we hard cut from Wolverine kicking Sabretooth's ass because now he has the adamantium, and I guess that gives him a significant edge now. Um, and we, we hard cut to Gambit running along a rooftop. Yeah. He like, he like clambered up a fire escape and, and decided instead of just leaving, he's going to run along a rooftop, jump off the rooftop, do a helicopter spin with his pimp cane and then jam the pimp cane into the alley. And he blows up the whole alley with his mutant power, thereby stopping the fight. And it's like, Okay, blowing up the alley, I'm not going to lie. That was actually kind of a cool effect. Like, that looked pretty cool. They built a whole set just to blow it up like that. And I thought it looked kind of neat. But but it's just like all logic is out the window at this point. It's like, what are we doing? Yeah. Um, but the fight goes on, and Gambit gets his... Uh, he gets into a scrap with Wolverine. Victor's fucked off. He's out of there. Uh, the pimp cane gets cut in half, and then he uses... He jams the the two rods into the side of a brick wall and gambit like spider-man's his way up a sh like a sheer surface like he climbs a wall like that it's like 
I don't know what he's <laughs> like. I don't know what the fuck kind of gambit this is, but one of the one of the most laughable moments in the movie happens when he gambit is on a uh, fire escape, and Wolverine's like, "No, you're not. You're not getting away that easy," and he starts chopping it down with his his adamantium claws and it's just if you take out the cgi animation of the fire escape being chopped down you just have this image of hugh jackman standing in an alleyway windmilling his arms at the air i <laughs> it's so pathetic no recollection of any of this happening i'm glad because it would frustrate you because it is it is laughable it does not look good it's it's it is poorly executed I think the only reason I was able to pay attention was because I had a couple of beers while watching it. Otherwise, I I don't think I would have I would have been in my phone the whole time. It would have been impossible. Um, yeah, Victor leaves. Uh, Striker kills a dude. Uh, that's my next note. Yeah. I don't even know what that has yeah. to do with anything. Just is it any? Uh, Striker gets the uh, we're pulling the plug. You're too close to this treatment. Uh, so they're trying to pull Striker. Yes, the and, uh, Striker. Yeah. He murders a general who's, you know, overseeing the Weapon X project. Yeah. Um, and also we get a cameo of his frozen son, um, although it's never spoken that that's his son. It's only one of those things that people had seen X2 would know. Um, we do get our first glance of Weapon 11, although he's under anesthesia at the moment. Uh, and uh, Gambit and Wolverine team up. Uh, they're now friends because in comic book logic, you have to beat the fuck out of each other before you can become friends. Um even if you're swinging with adamantium claws, which are really, even if you're not trying to kill somebody, I'm pretty sure it's really easy to accidentally kill people with. Um, but Gambit flies Wolverine uh, to Three Mile Island uh, in the New York area, I believe. Um, nuclear reactor and whatnot. And this is the island that has been mentioned previously. Uh, and Wolverine bails from the plane. Um, and he sneaks into the facility. He has a confrontation with Stryker. Uh, and then we get the grand reveal where Stryker does the thing where he, you know, does the bad guy speech and, and paces around the room and then the camera dollies over and we see, oh, Kayla's alive. Yeah. Bum, bum, bum. Uh, exactly. Is that what, and I did notice, I'm like, I think Wade's on the slab. Uh, pieced it. He is. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Homegirl isn't dead, so I guess, I don't know if this is revealed right now, but Stryker was blackmailing her, basically. He has her sister, and that's how he got her to basically trick Wolverine. Uh, seems like she got the pretty good end of the deal, because it seems like they were together for a while. Uh, I don't know if they just black he would just like blackmailed her at the end, or if this was like... She was like deep undercover for like three years, <laughs> like trying to get to him. Um, but yeah, so she's not dead. This is where I stopped the movie and I had to come back to it later. I had I walked out of the, the showdown of the lot. This at this point, I'm just like, oh, so we're gonna be the movie's gonna be ending soon. I'm like, there's like still another like 30 minutes after this. I'm like, okay, I don't have the strength right now. I'm just gonna have to come back to this um, because we have the lab showdown. Yeah, so we get the lab showdown. By the way, it was real for me, uh, is what Kayla says uh, when Wolverine is, you know, kind of cussing her out for, you know, being a phony, being a f big fat phony. Yeah. Um, and we see that Victor is actually witnessing this conversation. He's pissed. Um, and he runs up on Stryker, and, and uh, he's basically mad because he wanted to be Weapon X. Apparently, he wanted to be subjected to the adamantium bonding. And uh, curiously enough, we get uh, 
mention of from Danny Houston that uh, this saber tooth wouldn't be able to survive the process. Um, I don't know that that's comics accurate, but in this movie, apparently Wolverine has the stronger healing factor than Sabretooth. Also, even though he's been getting his ass kicked consistently up until now. Also, as Striker, I'm just like, yeah, I don't want to do it to you, dude. You are a you are a loose cannon. Uh, I don't trust. Yeah, you. we don't we don't need to enhance your killing power. <laughs> but I did think it was funny after uh, after Kayla is shown to be a traitor to Wolverine. Wolverine does his classic move that he demonstrated in in Vagos, and he just leaves, and he is free to leave. Like Stryker makes no attempt to stop him. He just he just walks out of the facility and just like walks out into the grounds of Three Mile Island. And it's not until uh, Victor runs out and starts yelling at Stryker that I think he says something about like he was the one who like was involved in like the cover up with Kayla and whatnot. And then Wolverine just pops back into the building and the the pose he is doing yeah is it is i'm sorry like vascularity or not uh that is a silly pose like i'm it, it works on the cover of like frank miller wolverine comic book covers it does not work in real life yeah. but the pose he is doing it, it makes those muscles look good but makes you look like a clown um anyway he very quickly beats the fuck out of victor again mm-hmm. um spares he's him, about yeah. to execute him yeah, instead he spares him. I did. I actually really love the the punch he does. Instead, he retracts his claws and he just gives this grunt where he's just like, <laughs> he just slugs him and knocks him the fuck out. It's pretty funny. I oh think. no, the Jeopardy song um, plays. It takes so long for him to not kill him. It's like do 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 do. Like it really takes a while. But yeah, he does spare <laughs> him. Yeah, of course. So like, get on a piece of shit, Wolverine. Don't kill him. And he's like, God damn it, I'm not. Okay, well, fine. Well, he yeah, he has to spare him for sequels that we won't make. Exactly, <laughs> because because Leif Schreiber never shows up again. Also, but, um, he never yeah he never it, shows up again ahead. in the movie. I mean, after the Deadpool fight, it's like what the fuck happened to him? He's gone. He literally jumped off a building and disappeared. Gone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah he's, he's just gone. Um, they stopped drawing. Yeah, him. Kayla says. Kayla says like, hey, uh, Logan. Uh, you gotta save my sister. You gotta help me save your sister yeah. and stuff. So, um, we get a really cheesy moment where Wolverine has to free the the mutant slaves. Yeah. Um, and we get like a, a choir piece playing this this soundtrack, which by the way is done by Harry Gregson Williams, uh, which is very appropriate uh, because around this time he was working on the Metal Gear Solid franchise of video games. Nick, if you're out there, uh, fun fact for you to to learn about. Um, and a lot of like the I don't know some of the themes and some of the imagery uh, in this film is reminiscent of of some of the Metal Gear Solid games, um, so I thought that that was fitting. Plus, he he does a lot of military themed action films and whatnot. He's kind of like a I want to say he came from the school of Zimmer. Um, his music oftentimes has a little bit of that vibe. Typically, very like hyper masculine kind of scores and stuff. Um, but the the music that plays as he's running with his claws outstretched, cutting all the locks off of the doors, is it's all in slow motion. And it, you know the the hair, the the wig in this movie, it makes him look. This is like the cleanest cut Wolverine that's ever been on film. So it's it's just very cheesy. Um, but anyway, he frees all the mutants, prisoners, and whatnot. And then we're introduced to Weapon Eleven just before they're trying to escape. Um, Scott! So. Uh, I forgot to mention that uh, 
Scott Cyclops was with the folks in that were all yes. all you know. Yes, Weapon Eleven. Uh, are you going? Do I need to uh, take a time out, go for a smoke, or you? Would you? Would you? I'll, I'll keep it brief. Okay. I'll keep. I promise. I'll keep it brief. So, um, I'm sure a lot of folks out there are already very keenly aware of this, but um, this was probably the first time I ever saw uh, the person who plays Weapon Eleven in this film. Um, so, uh, Ryan Reynolds is listed in the cast for this film as Wade Wilson. Uh, Weapon 11, on the other hand, is uh, listed in the cast on IMDb and whatnot as Scott Adkins, and that is true. Uh, Scott Adkins served as basically the body double, um, the stunt double for Ryan Reynolds in this film. So through a combination of uh, like close-up shots of Ryan Reynolds wearing the Weapon 11 makeup um, and like wide shots of Scott Adkins doing the, the physicality and the stunt work, that's how you get your Weapon 11 performance. So a lot of the the acrobatics and the kicks, that's all Scott Atkins. And it's just kind of the facial acting and the close-ups that uh, Ryan Reynolds shows up for. But yeah, uh, officially this is probably the first time... No, actually, I, I take that back. Uh, probably the first time I saw Scott Atkins uh, may have been Unleashed, um, the Jet Li film. Uh, he's, he's one of the swimming pool fighters in that movie. Um, either that or The Bourne Ultimatum, which I think was like 2007. Um, he had a he is he does fuck all in that movie he basically walks through a doorway carries a pistol and that and then gets like knocked unconscious in like one hit so it's not even a fight scene he falls down he shows up to fall down in that movie um but yeah uh if you've been listening to the show for any length of time uh, you'll know that i'm a huge fan of scott adkins he actually has a movie coming out next month that uh if i can i might actually run out to the theater to go see uh accident man uh, hitman's holiday um, but yeah, uh, this this could have been a nice little fight scene. I've seen some of the uh, previs work that they did uh, for the choreography for this one. Um, not all of it ends up in this movie. And unfortunately, we're doing that thing where we're cutting away from a perfectly good fight scene to just like show other shit going on. So it's very hard to maintain your focus and like follow the narrative structure of the fight as it's unfolding. But fun trivia fact, Scott Adkins is is ryan reynolds's stunt double in this movie and uh, it, it's kind of it's kind of funny that not only did he, he have the goods they also bear like a superficial resemblance to one another so it was good casting on that front um but uh cyclops kills some people by the way um as a teenager <laughs> most definitely uh so all the other mutants are escaping and whatnot uh kayla's sister um her mutant power she can like turn into person made of diamond essentially mm-hmm. um which is an allusion to the white queen uh who is played by a, an actress you will know kyle um january jones um in x-men first class kyle's making a face and i think i know why because i don't think that gal can act am mm, i right yeah she's got some moments in mad men uh that's mostly what i know her from is mad men uh <laughs> there's there's a it is one of the greatest one of the greatest shows of all time as far as writing goes it is truly phenomenal i've watched it like 10 times it's it's really addicting uh her she does do pretty well there are moments that you're just like eh. it, it i don't think it's necessarily her acting but just kind of the character gets under your skin a little bit you're just like eh. um but everything else i've seen her in it's just bleh, just bleh. 
yeah. But I will I will give her Mad Men. I think that she's pretty good in Mad Men. Okay. Well, whenever we get to X Men First Class, I look forward to hearing uh, your thoughts on her performance in that one because I thought it was absolutely terrible. See, I actually think I don't think people are very fair to John Hamm in that show. He's good. But he definitely has some moments where I'm like, uh, no, that's a dude acting. That's not <laughs> that's not a character doing something. That's a dude trying to do the character. He has some moments where I'm just like, he's not perfect. So those stones are hurt. Well, those I mean, stones think are of, think of how many hours of of that performance you've you've been privy to. Like, like you're gonna phone in sometimes. Like you're not gonna show up to set every single day for a show that runs that long. You know. Um, speaking of which, that Fletch movie of his yeah. uh, could be fun. I actually, I, actually, I, I, I'm kind of down for that. I feel like that's a great role for him. Yeah, I'm like uh, to spite Chevy Chase. I'm like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna pay money to watch that. I'm glad that you're nowhere near that movie, you <laughs> asshole. Um, but having said that, Nick and I really do like that first Fletch movie. Oh yeah, uh, Kyle, Kyle and his bro. I think they had a Chevy Chase household in their early years, we, so that that makes sense. We're still, we still have got some Chevy Chase that we like to to revisit. Uh, I mean, we we already talked about the artist and the art. Mm-hmm. You know, Chevy Chase in his prime, the, kind of fantastic. The older I get, the more and more I hear about what a scumbag he is. <laughs> Just absolutely terrible. Well, in his case, consistently scumbaggy. Oh, from the moment he said, I'm Chevy Chase and you're not, it was just asshole since then. Yeah. But yeah. But some of those movies. Some, yeah, Farm. Funny Farm is great. All Three-fourths yeah. three uh, of, uh, of the Chevy Chase vacation movies are good. European vacation is terrible. Um, but the rest yeah, of yeah, that is the bad one. It's isn't so it? bad, yeah. dude. I even I like yeah. Vegas. I had Steph. We watched Vegas Vacation on a plane. It holds up. Wayne Newton is fucking great in that movie. Um, but can we talk about the Wade fight for crying out loud? Because go for it. I thought that so I'm watching this movie. I'm like, okay. I basically understand Deadpool's powers to be. He can heal himself, but not as quickly as Wolverine can. He can like. If something gets cut off of him, it'll grow back, but it takes a while. Like it, it's not like something that he can just do like that. And that, uh, and he's basically indestructible, and he he's good with a sword. But for some reason, him as uh, we- Weapon Eleven is that what it is? Weapon Eleven, yeah, number eleven. He can teleport, which he can't do. Correct. That that's not something Wade Wade can do. Finish your thought, and then I'll, I'll tie it okay. all together. Teleport. Uh, yeah, see here. You teleport, and then he's got the Wolverine. He does, like, Wolverine claws, but with his sword. Uh, but he can heal himself, but crazy fast also in this movie. So did I, did I miss any of his powers in this movie? I don't think so. Okay. I think that's all of them. Was I close with what his powers generally are, or am I way off? No, you're, you're pretty correct. Uh, yeah, uh, Deadpool was part of the Weapon X program also in the comics, like Wolverine. Um, and he does have a very powerful healing factor like Wolverine. I think it's actually supposed to be like even even more so. Mm. Um, but the point is he has a comparable healing factor, so you're right on that. But they tried to get cute a little bit with the teleporting because, I mean, 
one i guess that's just a nifty thing for him to do but in the comics deadpool you know his belt buckle that has his symbol on it you know yeah like that actually is like a teleporting device oh. in the comics that he traditionally uses so teleporting via a device is a thing that te- deadpool does so that maybe that was like a cute allusion to the comics and also when he uses cyclops's optic blasts his uh the burn marks that appear on his eyes match you know the visage of his mask so they're kind of trying to to pay lip service to what we all know and love about deadpool but they're just fucking it up left and right okay. but weapon 11 in this movie is supposed to be the they call it the deadpool kind of like that uh dirty harry movie or whatever where basically he's a repository for for other mutant powers so they took john wraith's teleportation they took scott summers's optic blast they took wolverine's healing factor and adamantium okay uh, and i put it into wade wilson sorry I, and i god damn it she's pissing on the oh, car it's too late she oh, did it i i literally have like 30 seconds from when she's walking around god damn it give me a minute old dog yeah, dude, if she wakes up, paces around, I've got, like, less than 30 seconds to go and take her outside. Son of a bitch! Well, you pee, go lay down. What are you, you going to do now? Okay. Should be fine for now. Sorry, bud. No, Next no. time just 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 jump out of your seat and just do well, it. I was, I was gonna let you finish don't, your don't worry about making noise or anything. No, I thought, you, I, next I, time, just 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 do it. I thought I thought I had another another few seconds. I'm like, okay, I just got. Well, all I have to do is like pick her up. She won't pee if I pick her up. So I just like I needed like just to go grab her real quick. But it's okay. No, like like I said, don't don't pay any mind to to me. Just jump out and do it. <laughs> All right. All right. So. He can teleport, but also, like, so Victor comes in, and, like, he's, like, so Wolverine and him are fighting. Wolverine's kind of getting his ass kicked because he's got these new powers he's got to deal with. And Victor comes in and saves Wolverine. And I think he has a line that's like, nobody gets to kill you but me or whatever. But then uh, he has Scott's powers. So was he absorb like, was he able to, like, absorb powers? Or how does he have Cyclops' powers? So, Stryker, like, through, like, the middle portions of the film, we see somebody on an operating table, like, yeah. covered in a sheet, and we see, like, the same doctors who put the adamantium and Wolverine, we see them operating on someone. Um, so, Stryker has been somehow collecting other mutant powers and placing them into Wade Wilson's body. So that's why they captured cyclops is so they could steal his eye beams and put them into someone else although they apparently fixed the eye beams when they put him in him because he doesn't have to wear the goggles or anything like like cyclops has to but 
basically it's just a nifty boss fight where it's like, oh, he has he has many powers. He doesn't just have the one power. So they tried to make it more interesting. The choreography of it is actually kind of nifty. I don't like them being on the cooling tower when they have to fight because it like, makes it difficult for anyone to have any sort of footing. So it actually complicates things in a way that makes it far less interesting. Although it does give them an excuse to do the back-to-back! <laughs> Um, but there is that nifty rotating shot where Scott Adkins is teleporting back and forth between the two of them and like kicking the fuck out of both of them at the same time. That was kind of cool, and he does use the teleports to like escape their attacks. And actually, I did like the callback to uh, Sabretooth catching him mid teleport because that is what he did to John Wraith before. So it's like he seems to have a knack for predicting where people are going to pop up. Um, that was kind of neat, but yeah, it's it's the two half brothers united fighting, quote Deadpool. Um, but anyway, the whole thing comes to a conclusion when Deadpool is like blasting uh, Sabretooth with his eye beams, and uh, Wolverine, who his claws are superheated because he blocked the optic blast, so they're glowing. He does a leaping claw strike, and he he lops his head off, yeah. which very clumsily has been a thing stated in the script maybe like three times up to this point in the movie like there's been multiple mentions of people cutting people's heads off yeah and and it finally happens here and then the head spirals down the cooling tower the nuclear cooling tower and it causes the whole thing to collapse and uh it's around here that uh victor makes his exit and just jumps off the tower it's like wow and he's really high up bud yeah (laughs) and he's gone yeah (laughs) and then the movie uh begins its ending which is very strange uh striker pulls out eddie valiant's gun from roger rabbit uh it's just a (laughs) a revolver with six bullets that are fucking rednecks and uh i'm guessing they're adamantium bullets that's the only thing that i could guess that's what he says okay that's what he says i don't I don't know if this is part of the comics or not, but it's most certainly part of the movies where the only thing that can pierce adamantium is apparently more adamantium, yeah. is the logic. Makes sense. Sure. Yeah. Sure. We'll go with that. But it, the the quote is, his brain may heal, but his memories won't grow back. Yeah. So this is how we get to the status quo. It makes no fucking sense. It's just like, I It sh- makes no fucking sense. Yeah, because <laughs> I didn't, again, at this point, I'm like, I'm not listening to the dialogue. I'm just watching the movements. Let's just see what's happening. I'm just going to watch. I can pu- I can piece together what's going to happen next. Uh, he gets the drop. Also, I didn't see that bullet. I didn't see that bullet go out the other end, so logic would dictate he still has two adamantium slugs in his brain jello <laughs> which uh, is disgusting yeah his brain jello oh, actually oh that's that's something that would have been a neat little easter egg in in a later x-men film because he got shot in the head twice i think yeah it would be kind of cool actually if you saw like the skin get pulled back but those parts were still like just bone like just those two little dots on his forehead that would have been kind of cool. I don't think they ever did that, though. No. Anyway, go on. Uh, yeah, so Stryker shoots him with the with the bullets. Uh, right as he's, like, walking into the sunset with his girlfriend, he's just, like, carrying her to the chopper, and then he just, yeah, he just gets shot. Um, and Stryker comes up to kill her, and I'm like, what the fuck is happening now? He's, like, pointing the gun at her point blank. Mm. <laughs> it's 
there a round two? I think so. I'm watching her though. <laughs> She's going to the court. Hey. Oh, oh. <laughs> She's making her move. <laughs> So he's uh, got the gun pointed at her point blank, and then she might she says something to him maybe, but he starts to turn the gun towards himself. And I'm like, what is happening now? Like this doesn't make any sense for this character. He would not shoot himself, but she's talking to him basically, and she's telling him what he's gonna do. But she has a hold of his leg, and she's basically controlling him. And I'm like, oh, that's very. If I had caught... Either way, it's very clever. It's a very uh, clever way to have this scene play out. But had I noticed that she has a power, this would have made more sense. Um, But I still think it's done really well. But she basically says, drop the gun, and then just fucking walk. Just keep walking until you're gone, basically. She tells him to walk until until your feet bleed, and then keep walking. Nice. There you go. Which is pretty savage. Um, I do like the way they handle her powers, because everyone else in the movie has very explicit very obvious powers and then you have her that's extraordinarily subtle but really powerful if you think about it yeah um she's just not too cruel to make the full use of them but if she was she would be overpowered i would would be super easy for him to wreck for her to wreck pretty much everyone i would abuse this power uh i would be going up to jeff bezos (laughs) you will transfer all of your money to me (laughs) right now (laughs) Well, they uh, they did explore exactly that in um, Jessica Jones, the Netflix uh, MCU show. Okay. Uh, there's a character played by Den- David uh, Tennant, uh, the Purple Man, uh, who his powers, if he's anything he verbalizes, has to be it's a command that cannot be disobeyed. Okay. Um, so hers, his is even more powerful than hers because it's just within earshot. Uh, her, she has to touch you. Mm. Um. By the way, uh, Gambit has a last-minute thing where he saves Logan. Like, he blows up some falling debris when he falls off the cooling tower. Uh, sure. Okay. Um, yeah. Um, Kayla has also been shot, by the way. Um, she actually helps her sister and Cyclops and all the other mutants uh, escape. Um, and she keeps on insisting that she has to stay on the island. It's not revealed until a little bit later that the reason she's staying isn't because of like some sense of duty. It's because she she knows she's not going to be able to make it anyway. Um, and she's focused on trying to help Wolverine. Um, but yeah, she's been shot. So she's laying on the ground after Wolverine carried her. And then, uh, she sends Danny Houston off on his way. Um, and, uh, Wolverine is currently unconscious. He's got like five adamantium slugs in him or something. (laughs) Um, but now we get the, the, the gnarliest effects work in the movie. Uh, so we get to see what became of those kids. Uh, so they escape to a forest clearing uh, where there is a helicopter waiting for them. I was waiting for this to happen. And, yeah. And Patrick Stewart. Patrick Stewart for like a couple of shots is in this film and mostly a voice cameo, but he is seen on screen digitally de-aged. And Looks better than Irishman. The last stand. <laughs> Looks better than the Irishman. 
it looks better than that first scene in the Irishman for sure. Okay. Um, but yeah, this looks raggedy. But if you ask me, what's even worse, and this doesn't get talked about as much, is just the green screening of that that digital extension of a set of of where the chopper is. Mm-hmm. When you see those kids run off into the background. Oh wow, that that is some gnarly green screen. Like is super fuzzy. The kids the kids look like they're running in place or something. It, it's it is raggedy as all hell. Um, anyway, yeah, Patrick Stewart shows up to pick all the kits up, and presumably, based on the completely fractured and busted uh, fiction of of the X Men film universe, this is where he and Cyclops is like relationship began although this i want to say this movie is basically just like a hand wave situation where it's like we thought we were doing something with it just try not to think too hard about it um so logan wakes up and now he has no memory um and he sees kayla dead and he doesn't remember her which is supposed to be tragic but it's like you know it's not that kind of movie um and he has a little exchange with Gambit, where Gambit, like, Gambit's all of a sudden, like, his best fucking friend or something. Besties. And he's, like, trying to tell him, like, your name is Logan, I'm Gambit, I think. And then he's, like, trying to get him to leave with him because the cops are showing up at Three Mile Island because a nuclear reactor just got blowed the fuck up. Um, but Wolverine does the Wolverine thing, and he says, I'll go on my own. And then uh, our last shot of the movie is the camera pulling up to the heavens looking down on Kayla's dead body as he runs away and the cops show up and just by the time we get up to the cloud line credits it's like well, that's your ending shot damn it didn't really didn't really resonate at all but okay yeah as far as the movie's concerned oh yeah uh there's a stinger too by the way yes there are multiple stingers oh uh there was only one on mine uh but oh. I could be wrong there might have been yeah there was only there was only one on mine I just rented it off of Amazon um the one stinger that I saw was you see Wade's blade retracting from the rubble and he reaches over and grabs his head and then Ryan Reynolds' head just goes shh, like just kind of shushes. And it's like, don't worry, there's going to be a movie in like fucking uh, seven years. <laughs> it's going to be really great. Um, but yeah, that's a weird... There's no real... Resol- like Nothing is really resolved at the end of this movie. Like actually less than nothing because Sabretooth just leaves like just off yeah. out of the movie Stryker gets away we know Stryker gets away basically um so yeah it's really strange well Stryker has to get away yeah. because he's in another movie down the line many other movies in fact yeah uh so yeah there's yeah and and what's the other stinger and I get what they're trying to do where they're they're kind of tiptoeing around this idea of like what's what's the how do you kill someone who's immortal it's like well you erase them you you take their memories away from them so they're no longer themselves and their their existence it doesn't have meaning anymore um i guess the story is supposed to touch on the ongoing theme of wolverine being incapable of getting close to people because everybody dies on him yeah while, while he continues on um but yeah it, it just doesn't doesn't gel especially well and for me personally it's just frustrating to have have him lose his memory in this fashion where it's like the weapon x program itself is pretty tidy in, in how it handles that but um yeah the, the movie really doesn't come together to 
mean a whole lot, even to the character, which I'm not talking themes. I'm just talking to the journey of Wolverine. Um, but the other uh, Stinger sequences are uh, on the Blu-ray that I watched. Uh, the immediate post-credits one is we get to see Stryker um, walking down a road with his his toes popping out of his, his dress shoes. And they are, in fact, bleeding, but he's still just walking mindlessly. And then he gets picked up by some MPs. Um, and then I think there is one more um, that I think I only watched on like YouTube a long time ago. Um, that's uh, Wolverine in Japan uh, drinking sake, and they ask him like, "Are you drinking to forget?" Um, and he says, uh, he like replies, "No, I'm drinking to remember," um, which plays really tightly into the next film, uh, to the Wolverine, because that does take place in Japan. Um, but yeah, uh, those are all the stingers for the movie. And yeah, Kyle was absolutely right. Like, oh, sit tight, folks. Uh, be like seven years or so, but we we will do this guy right eventually. <laughs> and you know what? Hats off to him because they did do it right because both of those Deadpool movies are really good. Yeah, Kyle is not a, a huge fan of superhero cinema, in particular like MCU cinema. But uh, ever since it came out, like Deadpool 2 has actually been a review that Kyle, Kyle, not me. Uh, has been lobbying for for quite some time it's very good excellent use of celine dion just really fantastic <laughs> yeah and the the themes and the the characters in that are really strong like mm-hmm. they get in some heavy stuff i know like, they really talk about some really heavy relatable stuff yeah that's why i think it's it's one of the best ones that they've done i mean I've, yeah, I've, i've been trying to get the girlfriend to watch those actually because i i convinced her that if you squint at them really hard they're actually love stories Mm-hmm. Uh, the second one has a more darker take on on a love story, but it, it's the same love story continued. Yeah, and they're f- and done very well, very earnestly. And they're funny, and they finally figured out how to use Motormouth Ryan Reynolds. Like, well, how do we do Deadpool? We're gonna actually just write a good Deadpool movie for him to. Well, make it so the point of him, his performance, is to be annoying. Yes, <laughs> like that's him doing the role correctly. Is for him to be obnoxious. Yes, <laughs> very true. <laughs> no, he, no, he actually he slips into that character very seamlessly. There's a reason why he was so adamant to get that off the ground because it it really did work well for him in particular. Mm-hmm. Green Lantern, not, not so, so much. much. Um, uh, I think it did get him his wife though. Uh, maybe because they were they were on the same set i don't know if they were married yet like maybe that's how they met i think he's talking directly at my ass though i think he already had dated alanis morissette had been married to scarlett johansson and then went to blake man he just yeah just right through him (laughs) (laughs) okay well uh that was a x-men origins wolverine uh i want to say it's on the bottom tier of x-men movies uh, the New Mutants and Apocalypse, though. I, I, I'm not positive which of those three is the worst. I actually do defend Dark Phoenix a little bit. Like, that movie got blasted by critics when it came out. But it was because it was post-Marvel acquisition. And, like, the Fox X-Men movies were kind of just, like, afterthoughts at that point. Like, nobody gave a fuck. But I did watch that. I, like, rented it, like, a year after it came out or something. And I was like, you know... This is this is okay. I think like, this is not half bad. Uh, we were also it has Sansa Stark from Game of Thrones, and I think it was right around the time when that series was ending. It was like pretty close, so I think we we had it out. We had it out for all those motherfuckers in movies. <laughs> like everybody who's in that yeah. show, we're after them. Yeah, 
yeah. right around the time she went to go work for Quibi. Mm. Uh, we all remember Quibi, right? I, <laughs> nope. I'm sure there are a lot of scripts that we're seeing play out on screens today that actually were secret Quibi scripts. It's just Quibi died so fast that they had to like, oh shit, we gotta re- we gotta rework this to be a feature length thing. <laughs> Uh, anyway, yeah, that was X-Men Origins Wolverine. I believe this is our last X-Men review for this year anyway. Uh, I I would like to get to the rest of these eventually, but, you know, for now, this this has been plenty of X-Men. Um, so thanks for joining us for yet another Masterclass. This is four years of catching up on cinema, so very much worth celebrating. Kind of a big deal, if you ask me. Um, but in the meantime, folks at home, uh, if you'd like to catch up on any of our other Catching Up on Cinema content, uh, you can find all of that collected on our website at catchinguponcinema.com. Uh, you can also find us on the social medias, on the Instagram at Catching Up on Cinema, and on the Twitter at Catching Cinema. So feel free to hit me up at either of those. Uh, and the podcast is available on pretty much every platform you can imagine, including BitCage. So fucking Google it. Google it. That being said, thank you so much for listening, and we will catch you next time. Yeah.